on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Look at this, Fred. It's getting warm. Did you see the forecast for Sunday and Monday? No, I look forward for Tuesday because I'm going to the uh, Sox game on Tuesday to see Seattle and probably Irvin Santana. That's going to be sunny and near uh, near 60. I will go to the Cubs opener Monday. It's going to be in the 70s. 70s, yeah. I saw that. And hey, both teams scored 10 runs yesterday, so hey, offenses are great. <laughs> and a slight breeze blowing out at Wrigley Field. I there don't you know. Go. I don't know if that's good or bad anymore when the wind's <laughs> blowing out. How you doing, everybody? I'm Mike Murphy, the old Cub fan from Lions Township High School at Grange, and he's Fred Humor, the young White Sox oh, no. fan. We're all we're both old fans. <laughs> from good old that, Martin East. That's why we stayed and sat and watched every pitch of every game both games yesterday. In my old home. My God. Cicero. We're gonna be busy today. Glad you're with us. Three hours, nine till noon every Saturday. Oh yeah, little guy, Jesse Rogers. He'll he'll check in in about an hour or so from Milwaukee. And uh, one of our great White Sox uh, guests from the Sox Machine podcast, Josh Nelson. He'll check in about an hour maybe after uh, Jesse Rogers. Maybe a few other surprises along the way. But let's take a look, Fred, at something that nobody does anymore. The newspapers. Look at the headline. Yep. Now, I imagine when you're reading the uh, uh, Tribune online... Uh, I don't think they'll have this big headline because it's over two different stories. So it's not like, oh, yeah, Murph, the stories have a headline. Uh-huh. But here's the headline on the front. Oh, nice picture of your guy, uh, Tim Anderson. Uh, oh, no, that's no, Moncada. Yohan Moncada. That's Moncada. Put your glasses back on. Well, they're all hitting home runs. <laughs> Yohan Moncada. You're right. They are hitting yeah. home runs. And uh, But here's the headline. Now, oh, EO11, let's get the Twitter poll rolling. Uh Eric, read, uh, would you please, uh, uh, if you're there, number four. Oh, okay, here it is, thanks. Who? Okay, multiple choice, A or B. Very simple. Who gets to the World Series next? Okay. A or B. Now, we're not talking buying tickets. We're talking actually participating <laughs> in a World Series next. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, who gets to the World Series next, Cubs or the White Sox? Okay. Now, at first blush, you might say, come on. Didn't you have time to think last night? Didn't you have... Yeah, I took a lot of time on this one. I think it's a valid question. I'll be very interested to see what the results are. 3323776 is your uh, number if you want to vote on the radio. Or uh, vote at ESPN 1000. Who gets to the World Series next? The Cubs... Or the White Sox will take your calls in a moment. But let's go to the old celebrity line. Oh, let's bring in one of our favorite guys on the Murph and Fred Show ESPN 1000. Fergie Jenkins, good morning. Is that you, Fergie? Hey, Mike, what's going on? How you been? Good, good. I'm fine. Say hi to Fred Hubner. Hey, Fergie, what's up? Hey, Fred, I'm doing great. Just because he's a White Sox fan, we're not going to eliminate him from talking about your great new book. And, uh, Fergie, you're going to be right around Wrigley Field there. I hope to see you uh, Monday opening day. And that'll be uh, right after the game ends, around 4.30 or so. That's, of course, Monday, April 8th. You're going to be signing your uh, new book, 
1969 Cubs, long remembered, never forgotten. You'll have your books there and the autograph appearance and uh, uh, different uh, uh, rates uh, from the guys over there at the Autograph One. But, Fergie, before we get to uh, the big event Monday and opening day and, and you being uh, at and around the ballpark, could we spend a minute, please, and talk about what's happening now? What does Chicago Cubs? Let me tell you something, Mr. Jenkins. It felt like it's feeling like September of 69 right now to me. I know that's something you can relate to. Uh, Fergie, they are in a seven-game losing streak right now. As a guy that played as a Hall of Famer, you were a pitching coach. These things, you know, fans, we see it feed, seems to feed on itself. What's it like in a locker room, Fergie, when you're in the uh, in the seventh game of a seven game, uh, uh, six game uh, losing streak? Well, right now the locker room is probably really quiet. Nobody's doing a lot of jabbering or or uh, messing with each other. I just think that uh, they're trying to put it together, but it's been slow. They they need to come up with a team leader, a guy that's going to motivate the ball club. Uh, that's going to probably get them out of the doldrums they're in because they had such a great spring, and to open up the season as badly as they've been doing, it's just uh, it's unfortunate, and it, and it and it's something that uh, you don't need it to continue because the fact that they've got a good ball club, the pitching was I think excellent in the spring, and now it's just falls on hard times. The uh, bases on balls have all of a sudden, it's bitten everybody. Fergie, you're a guy, and many of the fans have heard the great stat over the years. You struck out over 3,000 batters. You walked fewer than 1,000 batters. Right now, the Cubs bullpen, number one in baseball. Got 30 teams, 30. When you played, there was only 16. 30 teams, their bullpen, number one, leading in walks. You're a pitching coach also for the Cubs. Is it just mental? Are they doing too much? What would you try to do as a uh, you know pitching coach or, or when you were a player when all of a sudden everybody's walking everybody? What, what What's going on? Well, right now they're not pitching to contact. Uh, the pitches that are off the plate. Uh, there's been a couple of games where they've been basically wild high. Uh, I know that uh, Darvish was wild low a lot of times with fastballs. So it, it's going to be something that uh, they've got to remedy it themselves. They've got to, I think the pitching staff has got to get together. All these starting guys that are, uh, that are the, the main uh, cog of the ball club uh, got to get together. Lester and, and a few of the other guys, uh, Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that uh, the number one thing, is they've got to put a series together that they win, get back into that happy mode again. Uh, the winning mode is is something that they can find. I mean, it's not out of the realm because they got a good pitching staff, but they got to kind of put it together like they had it together in spring training. But throwing strikes uh, can help the ball club more than anything else. When you don't throw strikes, the guys behind you, don't, they don't play. No. And that's the number one thing. They do not play. You've got those seven guys behind you. They're the guys that pick up your mistakes, or they make great plays in the field or the outfield, but you've got to give them a chance to play, too.
Fergie, David, they talked a lot in baseball the last couple of years about coming up with a computerized strike zone. So the umpires don't keep missing the uh, the pitches. They call the pitches correctly. It's done on a computer, kind of like that K zone you see on TV. Now, as a Hall of Fame pitcher, would you have been for that or against that when you were pitching back in the day? Well, the human element is, is part of what the game's all about. We had great umpires, uh, from Chad Crawford, Augedon, and Tedley, Billy Williams, and there's so many good guys that when I pitched to in the National League. But sure, the human element is part of the game, and they don't miss pitches on purpose. Uh, there could be something that uh, the ball maybe sunk a little harder than what he thought, or, or the check swing. The check swing now is a, is a big uh, uh, deterrent a lot of times, and hitters hate to, to have a check swing called upon them. But uh, I just think that Pitching in the zone, uh, letting the umpire do his job, you have to do your job first, uh, you and the catcher. And, and I think that's what the Cubs are lacking right now. they got to throw more strikes, pitch to contact, and uh, by far make better pitches, hmm. better pitches. Fergie Jenkins, a few minutes with us. Uh, be sure if you're going to opening day, visit Fergie uh, with his. Uh, it's really a, a, a great uh, uh, book. It's uh, the 1969 Cubs, long remembered, never forgotten. Uh, a lot of inside stuff I had never heard about before, Fergie. But uh, even, hold it, even you, even yeah. one of the bleacher no. bums who was traveling with him down to Atlanta and all kinds of things like that. Well, we try to, you know, what's, what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. Oh, what I'm happened sorry. in Atlanta stays in Atlanta, right, Fergie? <laughs> oh, yeah. We had we had a lot of fun in Atlanta, Cincinnati, St. Louis. Oh, yeah. So that was part of what the game was all about back then in the 60s. You know, uh, a lot of our listeners right now, they know oh, Fergie Jenkins, the Hall of Famer. But unless you're at least, uh, say, 40 years old, because this is a 50-year-ago story, years old, unless someone's at least 40, they would have no recollection of the 69 Cubs, but yet everyone's heard about it. Fergie, why has the story of the 69 Cubs, you know, lasted all these years? People still talking about it. People want to read about it. Paint a picture for someone that's maybe younger than 40 years old that goes, oh, yeah, it was something I hear about it, but what was the big deal? Well, the, the number one thing, you know yourself, Murph, well, when you look at the cover of the book, there's five Hall of Famers on that cover. DeRocher, Billy Williams, Ron Santo, Ernie Banks, and myself. I think I don't think any other ball club's going to have uh, five Hall of Famers on one ball club. To play together and just to try to win together uh, in that 69 season. I think the number one thing is that we had... Uh, an, an a company of other individuals like Jim Hickman. Kenny Holtzman, uh, Bill Hands, Kessinger, Beckert. I mean, we had a ball club that loved to play together. They loved to win. And that season started right from spring training, and it continued right through to September. And then we just stopped scoring runs. We got plenty of hits. We just didn't score runs. So when a team plays together that length of time, a little over five and a half months, we were kind of the Cinderella team in baseball. You know, Fergie, uh, and that's that's very, very uh, spot on, right on. There's an ex there's a phrase that's been around for years, but it wasn't around in '69, and it's called "Oh, he's a rock star." Those guys are rock stars. You know, the Rolling Stones on tour, and they get off the bus and they get in the hotel. Rock. 
you guys were rock stars, but the phrase didn't really exist back then, right? Well, you know, I don't think we were really rock stars. So we, we're a good ball club. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Cup Power hung on for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, as I said, you know, we had a great infield. I know in 69, uh, the whole infield made the all-star team. Uh, DeRocher didn't want to pick any pitchers. You know, Kenny Holson won a lot of games, so did I, and so did Bill Hands at the break. But they took the whole infield only because Leo was the starting manager of the all-star game. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of trying to save our pitching staff, which was smart, too. Um, the rock star end of it, <laughs> I don't think that hung because uh. we had we had we had guys that were, I think, gentlemen. You know, they always talk about Jim Hinkle as a gentleman. I mean, sure. he just he talked to everybody. Kenny Holzman the same way, yep. uh, along with Bill Hands. I, I just think that the rock star image okay. might have been too strong. <laughs> Too strong. All right. What was it like playing for a manager like Leo DeRocher? Because I've heard all kinds of things, good and bad, about Leo. What was it like as a guy like you who knew pretty much what you were doing? You were going out there every four days, not every five days, uh, you know, back in the day. What was it like playing for a guy like Leo? He was a demanding manager. He wanted the best performance when you went out on the field. He didn't like excuses. He hated excuses. So the number one thing you had to do was play it up to your ability. And uh, he, from 66 all the way to 69, we kind of played his brand of baseball, which was what he wanted to do, good fundamental, aggressive baseball. And the aggressive part really started in 68. And when 69 came around, we were the ball club that were the aggressive team in that division. And that's what he wanted to, to see happen. And he didn't like failure. He didn't like failure. Final minute with Fergie Jenkins. If you're going to the Cubs home opener uh, Monday, that'll be uh, just basically, you know, right across the street at Wrigleyville Sports. That's right in the corner there, Fred Clark and Addison. Yeah, you know, right where it is. 959 West Addison, uh, about 430 or so after the game. Fergie will be there signing uh, his, his book. Uh, Fergie, one last thing. Now, Fred and you were talking about Leo. Joe Madden, well, let me ask you this. There's no way I don't think Leo DeRocher-type guy could manage today. I think we don't pretty much agree on that with today's players. You know, times change, eras change, nothing disrespectful about anybody. But let's flip it the other way. With Joe Men, and you know Joe, you've been helping out at spring training. You're with the Cubs a lot uh, uh, over the last few years. Uh, Joe Madden. If he had been the Cubs manager in 69, or a Joe Madden-type guy, you know, would that have been something that, you know, might have changed anything? Would Or would that have been so far ahead of its time it just wouldn't have happened? Well, you know, Joe is an intelligent individual. He tries to get uh, into the individual's thinking process, which is smart. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Leo was a demanding manager. Leo will browbeat you if you didn't play well. So the, I think the difference between two managers is like night and day. Uh, Joe talks to the players. Leo wouldn't talk a lot of times. He didn't pat a lot of guys on the back. Uh, I think Joe, uh, is psychologically, uh, he puts uh, the feeling that you're the guy, I want you to do a job, and that's what you're capable of doing, and he expects you to do it. Leo was the kind of guy that said, 
you don't do the job, you're not going to be playing. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was a different type of individual. Uh, I, I, and I, I just think that the, the difference between managing in the 60s and now the, the year 2000, it's like night and day. Yeah. Fergie, always a pleasure. Everyone uh, stop by say hi to Fergie. Check out the book. Uh, it's right after the, about when the game ends, 4.30 or so. Across the street there Monday over at Wrigleyville uh, Sports. Uh, the book, The 69 Cubs, long remembered, never forgotten. I know you're the busiest guy in town. Fred and I will let you go and uh, have fun on Monday. And uh, let's see if we can start up a winning streak, all right? That's what it's all about. they got to start opening day, putting it all together. <laughs> friendly confines. And you know it, Mike and Fred. Uh, when you play in Wrigley Field, good things can happen. There you go. Let's hope have it, the last several years. Let's right. hope it starts. Yep. Yeah. All right, Fergie. Talk to you soon. Hope to see you Monday. Have a, a great opening day, my friend. Good enough. All right. You take care, Mike. All, All right. right. Thanks a lot. Bye now. Fergie Jenkins. <sighs> the more you hear about Leo. Now, see, you raised it. You phrased it perfectly, of course, Fred. Fergie is going to see a different Leo DeRocher than a player is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Fer- Fergie knows that every four days I go out there, and then Leo can leave me alone for three days because I'm not going to be in his mind. I'm going to be out getting ready for my next start where other guys had to deal with Leo on a daily basis, <laughs> on a hit by, on a oh. at bat by at bat basis, pretty much. They were playing on pins and needles once yeah. they started losing. Sure. He played the same guy every day. Yeah. It, same eight guys. They once had four double. Listen, it is. They once had four double headers in four days in late in '67. All right, four double headers, eight, eight games in four days. He played the same eight guys all eight games in four uh. days. He he gave Hundley the catcher one game off. He only caught seven out of eight in That's four amazing. days. Yeah, yeah. That's why he lost so much weight. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, I'll bomb me Hundley some was like one of the skinniest guys in the team. Gotta get me some suspenders to hold up my britches. <laughs> what? All right, uh, they got to do something now. They got to figure some things out now. We're I'm sitting here looking at stats, mm-hmm. and we were we talked a lot. And, and Fergie mentioned that in '69 they stopped scoring runs. How's that? How familiar does that sound? That's what the Cubs stopped doing last year in the last three weeks of the season. Stop scoring runs this year. They're scoring runs. But their pitching staff is they have the the worst whip in the game mm-hmm. at two point one one. They've allowed oh. an average of three twenty one to the opposition hitters. Their ERA is last in baseball at seven eighty five. The third most homers allowed at sixteen. The the pitching staff and you know Pacota talked about when they made the rankings for the Cubs. They said this pitching staff you got three starters that are thirty years in their mid thirties starting out of your five guys. We all laughed and scoffed at it. I don't know. Early in the season, it looks like Pakota wasn't too far off. But again, are you looking at my early. yellow pad here? Is what I have right here. Then again, it's early. Who's laughing now, Pakota? <laughs> yes, yes. Right now, it's early. But last night was a continuation of just some bad, bad wow. games and some games that got out of hand. And and you know what? The hitting was there. If the, one of the pitchers in the bullpen, well, actually, two didn't give up runs. But if they could have just held the Brewers, yeah. the Cubs were actually coming back. Now. You mentioned whip for a lot of fans. What all these whip is very simple. It's sort of like the reverse of on base percentage uh-huh. for the pitchers. How you hold the hitters from getting on base with uh, WHIP walks, hits, and it's very simple. Now, frame of reference, a excellent whip like 
Hall of Fame whip is like 1.00. That means you pitch nine innings and you only allow one man on base each inning. That would be nine innings, nine base right. runners through a walker, a whip of one. Uh-huh. A 1.25, not much difference when you really think about it. One and a quarter is, then, then you're an average pitcher. You know, you'll be in the yep. big leagues. One, a 1.5 whip, in other words, one and a half, is triple A. You'll never pitch long time in the big leagues. 1.5 whip, whoosh, Iowa Cubs. Give me again, do you still have it in front of yeah. what the Cubs' overall whip pitching whip is right now? Yeah, they're the only team in baseball who's got a whip over 171. Theirs is 211. Yeah. 2.11. Mm-hmm. So they're giving up They're giving up more than two hits mm-hmm. every inning, um, two hits or walks every inning that they're pitching. 3-3-2-3-7-7-6, the Tribune today, lead story, reversing roles. White Sox look like the team of the future. Cubs, a thing of the past, according to the headline writer. So uh, your chance right now to vote at ESPN 1000. Who gets to the World Series next, Cubs or White Sox? Fred, real quick, back on uh, the Cubs starting pitchers. Uh-huh. All right, now, they played uh, seven games, and uh, they, I think I said seven games. They have a six-game uh, straight losing streak. Right, they right? lost six. They yeah. won the opener yeah. so they can have beer. Right. I know uh, Jim Deshays used that line last night. See, I wish he wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know why? Hey, E.O.L.A. You're a young guy. What are you, 24 now? Up to 25? I'm sorry. I'm 31, but go on. So Jimmy Desch- I love Jim. By the way. I made a rule years ago, never do this. When you're going to be critical, say, I love the guy, but I'm sorry. I retract it. Uh-huh. How many times this week? Oh, I like Theo. He's a great guy, but well, don't, you don't have to say that. Okay, nevertheless. All right. Uh, EO11, Eric Ostrowski. Uh, no offense, but. Jim Deshaies. You know, I really like Eric, but. No, 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 no. Just kidding. So Jim Deshaies, and uh, Fred pointed out, he, he, he used a joke. He was promoting the opener, the home opener yeah. for the Cubs. Which is no longer an applicable joke. He said, have you ever heard this one? This used to be funny, Eric, uh, 50 years ago, all right? Which is this. Well, if the, the Cubs lose Monday, they won't be able to sell beer all year. Why? Because they lost their opener. Now, it used to be funny when you were 13 years old back in the day and you heard it the first time. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a good one. No, beer at Wrigley Field, why, why not? They, they lost their opener. There's a problem. There, no one uses openers anymore. Well, for, for most of the domestics, you don't. Yeah, right. for your life. I was just saying, for a lot of the beers that Fred and I right. drink, we're using can openers. So it's come back. Yeah. There was a 20-year window 10 years ago to 30 years ago where no one is twist off. We just pop the top. I, we, there was nothing more that we disliked than our buddies buying beer that we yeah. actually needed an opener for. Yeah, stepped out of pop top, blew out my flip flop. You know, <laughs> it, it was 25 years. There was no opener. So it's like, no beer really feel socks. Why, why they lost their opener? They go, what does that mean? It's not even funny. So uh, I handed to Deshaies for using it. No. So I, I gave it to him for using because I got a chuckle. Well, you did. Because he doesn't constantly try to be funny. KYA, know your audience. There. No one knows who he's talking about. I didn't get the reference. No, thank but you. now that it's explained, I like it. <laughs> well, that's that's a consolation. A joke's never funny if you, if have, you to have to explain, explain it. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. Go back to sleep, Eric. You're doing a great job. Okay, Eric, are we getting any, I'm sorry, are we getting any votes right now at our uh, Twitter poll question number Four. Eric's got the opener, so he's enjoying it. <laughs> Who gets to 
Uh, Jim, and they start talking about the, should the Cubs employ an opener? In other words, right. the three-inning bullpen guy? Sure. And maybe we'll get to that later in the summer. It's not a bad idea, but we don't have time. Uh, vote right now. Who gets to the World Series next, Cubs or White Sox? Are we getting some action there? Don't give me the results Yeah, the yet. votes are pouring in. All right, good. It's interesting results. Five votes? Uh, right now, no, 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 that's okay. I just want to say pouring in. I want to make sure it's more than no, five. No, it's, it's a couple hundred. More than that. Usually five, so we got a couple hundred. That's good. Then. Okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, there's another zero behind it. I got it. Okay. Okay, here's the starting rotation in seven games for the Cubs, Fred. Lester Darvish. Hamels Hendricks. Lester, Darvish, Quintana. All right. Only Lester has had a quality start. He's had two of them. Yep. Six innings, three runs or fewer, right? And then you send him to the plate to pinch hit. Oh, I was just thinking yesterday. Well, he had nobody. He had already used Zagunas. When you have 13 pitchers, you only have four men on the bench. One's a catcher, so you only have three men on the bench. There was nobody on and two out. I, I, I figured a lot of Joe, what are you doing? Well, he had used a pinch hitter uh, uh, early in the game in a key spot, which made sense. Uh, he pinched hit Zagunas in the fourth inning with two on and nobody out when they're trailing right. eight, uh, eight to three. So yeah. that made sense. Right. Now, uh, Lester is due up in the uh, sixth inning. Uh, nobody on, one, one out, and uh, he... I'm sorry. Yeah, it would have been Brock. I'm sorry. Uh, it would have been Brock at the time. Brock, yeah. Yeah, so Brock or Edwards. But and then Lester, Lester comes hit up. Because he's only got two more guys on the bench, not counting the catcher. Yeah, but let me so, ask you a question. Yeah. What did he get most? What did he get roundly criticized for last year? Well, that's what I was going to lead up to. I was just thinking all they need now is Lester to hit a gapper and pull a hammy. Yeah. Round and first. Or so have an inside pitch in his, his, yeah. his backhand, yeah. which is his pitching hand, right, right. gets hit. Yeah. How, the only guy you got that's yeah. doing well. Right. Uh, See, here's it made everybody. no sense to me. I'm going, sorry. How stupid is Joe? He's batting Lester. Then Lester gets a double and, get, and goes down on a heap. Between, how dumb is Joe? He pinched at Lester. It's very easy to do that stuff. Huh? Well, I mean, you, if you batted Hendricks or one of the other pitchers, the same thing could have happened. I know it's yeah. different in the National League because pitchers do hit. But he got roundly criticized for having a stroke hit last year. So three three two three seven seven six. Jesse uh, coming up in a few minutes. Remember, everyone said, oh, Joe, that's so stupid. The two out of three ain't bad. Those two out of three ain't bad. I think, I think Cub fans and the Cubs would, <laughs> take, would take it up in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, they would take it without a doubt. They're more hypocrites in this town than I've run into in a long, long time. Oh, the two out of three is stupid. Okay, Murph and Fred, got a lot to cover. Got to get White Sox in, too, because Tribune says... Reversing roles. There's no question mark either, may I point out. No. Not reversing roles? No. Reversing roles. White Sox look like the team of the future. Cubs, a thing of the past. And he starts other than Lester's, Fred. Darvish, two and a third. Hamill, five. Hendricks, four and a third. Darvish, four. And Quintana last night, three. 
As I've said from the beginning, I'm not a second-guessing hypocrite. The worst trade since Brock for Brolio, but uh, they didn't want Eloy because they didn't have any pitching coming up because of Jason McLeod and the inept scouting department of Theo's, so they had to trade to bring in Quintana. It's been like this since, well, since he traded uh, uh, LeMayu back in the first day he had the Cubs job, but you know what, at least I try to be consistent. Not bouncing around. How about everybody in town? They've Joe for uh, uh, Theo, Theo for seven years. Fred, he's the smartest guy in the room. Uh, he he shouldn't run for mayor. He's run for president. Uh, Theo, he's the smartest guy ever. And now in two weeks, oh man, what's wrong with Theo? He's made all kind of mistakes. All right, never too late to uh, you know change course. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Fred's got a White Sox notebook because that's the coming team, according to the Tribune. All right, let's get rolling. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Jesse in a few minutes. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, Fred. I'll I'll tell you a lot of things. Then we'll get right to to your uh, Chicago White Sox. What was so crushing about the end of the year for the Cubs last year was that the window was already starting, in my mind, to uh-huh. close. Because the main reason the window's closing is because there's no waves of players coming. Theo's first press conference, there's going to be waves of young players coming, coming, coming. Well, people probably laughed about a year ago, you know, when I... Said, hey, EO11, do me a favor. Put together a little mini mix here. Catch a wave and you're sitting on top of There ain't no waves. Where are the waves? I see the window closing. Catch a wave and you're sitting on top of No waves. The, the first starting pitcher. That the, the that Theo's Bobo, Jason McLeod, director of player development and scouting, that brings it to the big leagues will be his first. And it may be Dylan Cease. Why did he develop and sign no pitchers? You'll have to ask him. Theo will have to ask him. Oh, wait a minute. Fred, guess guess where Jason McLeod uh, uh, used to be, where he came from seven years ago. Where? Uh, yeah, Boston Red Sox. And a little uh, tour of duty, San Diego Padres, when Jed splintered off. All right? Boston's one of the few teams having a, a yeah. just as bad of a start as the Cubs. They've won two games, but they got an 11-game road trip. And uh, they gave up 15 last night uh, in their their loss. So it's not a, not a good start for a lot of teams around yeah. baseball. The Diamondbacks hit them for 15, five homers. couple of loose ends on the Cubs. Then I want to talk about the... Exciting Chicago White Sox. One way or another, they're exciting. In a minute or two, they're EO 11. Uh, get the old polka music up. Go, go, Sox. Uh, number one, the more you look at this Joe Madden thing, Theo should have launched him back in October. This is ridiculous. You keep the guy, you're going to launch him anyway, win or lose. But here, little here's a little riddle, Fred. This is fun, maybe. What do uh, Hayward, Darvish, Chatwood, and Madden have in common? All right, Hayward, all right. I, uh-huh. Darvish, all right. Chatwood, Madden. 
What do they have in common? If they weren't making so much money, Theo would have released them all back in the winter. The only reason Hayward's on the, on the roster, we know, is the money. The only reason Darvish is probably going to stay on the roster is the money. Chetwood, the only reason he's on the roster is the money. And no one talks about Joe Madden. The only reason Joe Madden's still here is because of the $6 million. You can't tell me anything other than that. Well, the only, the other... The one thing is, you could have let him go, and it's a sunk cost anyway, does, right? Because you're going to yes. pay him anyway. You are factual, but you they brought don't, in Mark Loretta. But they and don't he's think, there. I know, but they don't think that way. Yeah. Now, I don't mean just the Cubs sports yeah. teams. They don't think. That. I know it's you're exactly right. You got to pay him anyway. See, but there's incentive for Joe. There's incentive for Joe to get the team to win, and if they do win, then maybe he gets a new contract. I doubt that's going to happen. He could win the World Series, yep. and he won't be back. Well, Girardi was the same thing. Girardi got to the playoffs, didn't he? So did uh, yeah. so did Dusty. And in fact, if let's say Madden with wins the, the with World the Series, yeah, and and then they say here's an extension. You know what he's going to tell him? Put it where the sun don't shine. Yeah, and, and that's it's yeah. a it's a problem because he won't be back either way. Yeah, it's a problem because all the managers, all of baseball is changing in in various ways. And one of them is there's no need for them to pay managers big money. Well, we'll see how that works out. Yeah. I that wonders, worked out okay for, I mean, the Yankees and the Red Sox last year. And then again, you got to have the talent. A buddy of mine who knows baseball ten times more than anyone in, on the radio says he thinks that the, the bean count, the bean count, the number crunchers are telling Joe during the game who to get up in the bullpen now. There's a guy, there's like an assistant uh, bench coach guy in there with the, uh, you know, tablet uh, look. Well, Hadovy's got his own tablet. The pitching yeah, coach got another his, his guy, own. Okay. There's another hovering around in Okay. There. I never know. Is it hovering or hover, hovering? Whatever. Hovering. Okay. Yeah. Hovering around. Yeah. Wouldn't it be something if they're actually telling Joe, all right, uh, uh, get up Edwards now for the next inning. Okay. Whatever you well, say. There was a time in the game last night mm-hmm. where they showed it on TV and both Len and JD talked about it. Yeah. And Tommy Hadovy was over there talking to Joe Madden. Madden was looking at his paper. Yeah. And they, they were probably just saying, who the hell do we put up now? Everyone's struggling. What do we do? And then they ended up putting in Edwards. They ended up putting well, they, in Strope. Well, they the had bullpen, a, just yeah. about everybody yesterday. It's the last thing you want to do yeah, Brock, in the first game of a series. Brock Edwards, C-Shack, uh, Kinsler, and uh, Stropey. Yeah, and Kinsler yeah. was brutal. Right. How about this one? You know, Bryant, I don't know if there's... He's not right. Okay, he's throwing a cup. He's getting a hit here, and don't get me wrong. You know, he's... There's something not right. It just doesn't look right. I can't put my finger on it. I'm not smart enough. How about Hayward and Sonny? I'll just say one thing. I'm just going to tell you that pitchers have figured out that if you can throw Bryant, especially with a couple strikes, a high fastball, he's not going to get it. Right. Now, if you throw him anything below his letters, he's going to hit the hell out of it. So why do it? well, I guess all pitchers can't mistake. They can't, they, well, right. right. And one thing I've always said about Chris Bryant, he is I've never seen him miss a mistake. No. He will not miss a mistake pitch. And so we'll keep uh, we'll keep watching. If they keep calling high strikes, and that's one of the things baseball was talking about mm-hmm. in making the strike zone higher. They keep calling high strikes. Look at the Houston Astros pitching staff. I mean, they're struggling a little bit this year, but I was telling Eric earlier upstairs. Verlander, Cole, all these guys, they're high strike pitchers. They're their pitching coach. Throw high strikes. Because and they're getting the all these guys. Launch, the launch angle uppercut. You can't get the, you no. can't get to it. Remember that article we found back in February, the St. Louis Cardinals were uh gonna abolish the uppercut right. loft yep. uh angle and 
swing straight, uh-huh. like level, yeah. like the old days, to hit those high pitches. How about, so this guy Quintana, he has no out pitch. So you can't get anybody out. Remember all, all spring? He's working on a changeup. Oh, yeah. Everybody's working on something. Yeah, it was so, tough last night. So the the, the Cubs are uh, trailing. Let's see, uh, still uh, uh, three to nothing in the second inning. Braun comes up, first and third, two out. It's a uh, three uh, three to nothing a, a game, and it's one ball, no strikes. This is when he hits the ball about four hundred feet. Yeah, and Quintana, here's what he want to know what he throws. He throws a ninety-two mile an hour. Fastball, which for him is about his upper end, but you used to, I love your old phrase, the get me over fastball. Right. It's one ball, no strikes. First and third, two out, trailing three to nothing. And he throws a 92 mile an hour fastball to Braun. You know, like if when you have the, you're hitting the ball off the tee and you go, a little, high, a little, okay, right there. That's where it was. Yep, it was perfect for him. He knocks it out, and then the next inning, Perez and Grandal go back yeah. to back. Yeah. So. How about Dunsing last night? The lefty that he gave $7 million over two years to, Theo, last year, three and a half. One inning pitch, five hits, three Ernie's. Okay. You don't mean Dunsing. You mean... Uh, no. Wasn't it Dunsing last night? Or... Dunsing's in the mind. Or Dunsing... Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about AAA. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I was yeah. not... Yeah. You got... Yeah. No. Because yeah. otherwise people will think no, no, Dunsing no. was yeah, one Dunsing, of the guys. No, AAA Dunsing. Yeah. He got hammer jacked in one inning. And uh, the fireballer... Uh, uh, Maples, yeah, he pitched yesterday, walked three guys in uh, two thirds of an inning. We got guys coming in waves. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, when we come back, EO 11, everyone's your last chance. Vote right now who gets to the World Series next, Cubs or Sox? And let's get this Fred's White Sox notebook this home opener. They're selling beer all year. All right, Jimmy Deshays, Jesse coming up in a few minutes, ESPN 1000. Mr. Churchill said, once you, whenever you go, when you're going through hell, just keep on going. So you just keep going. You get back in the huddle. You can come back, come back the next day, and you play the game. And that's what our guys have been doing, and I appreciate that. Joe Madden, after the game, when you're going through hell, just keep going. Jesse had a great quote, too, though, Fred, after the game. He'll join us shortly soon. Uh, Cubs have not won in a week. Seems like a month. Jesse that seems said. a long time. Exactly. Yeah. E- EO 11, let's get the results of our uh, act, uh, current uh Acting uh, fan focus group Twitter polls in action. Who gets to the World Series next? Cubs or Sox? Well, we know that it's, uh, you know, maybe 60-40 usually in town. Uh, you know, surveys say that. Uh, so you would think it'd be 60-40 if everyone voted straight party line. Yeah, I'm going 55-45 Cubs. I'm going 50-50. There's got to be some Cub fans out there that reality is going to say, you know what, as much as I hate doing it, i got to vote White Sox. We, do we have a 50-50 a dead-even split, EO? Be honest, pretty much. Right now, it's fifty-one percent Cubs, forty-nine percent White Sox. There you go. Plus so it depends on when I refresh 1%. it. It's fifty-fifty. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. I mean, yep. that's that's good. Uh, let, let's see here. Well, on the south side, ten runs. That's a nice thing. First yeah. time they've done that in the home opener since two thousand six. Tell you what, Eric. Let's keep that uh, Twitter poll open all the way till noon. I encourage you uh, if you haven't voted yet, uh, vote when you get a moment at ESPN one thousand. Hey, let's give Fred a little old school White Sox White music. Sox. White Sox, go go White Sox. Let's go, You're not dancing. 
dancing today, Fred. You're locked in your chair. What's going I'm, I'm on? Just, I'm just too excited to dance. <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's fun watching. Last year, I said, people asked me last year, they said, what's this season going to mean for you? And uh-huh. I said, well, we need to see Moncada and Giolito show they're going to take the next step. Neither one did last year, necessarily. Uh, this year, they've both gotten off to nice starts. Giolito starts again today. And Moncada, yesterday... Two for four with four RBIs. He had a grand slam stolen from him. Could have had six rubies. And the second game in Cleveland, he hits one as far as you can hit a ball to left center without going out of the park. 417 feet. He gets a double. Then he hit a ball. My wife is sitting on a couch. We're watching the game. And I go, holy I can't say the next thing I said yeah. when he hit it. And just a blast that Jason Benetti basically said, the, you know, the only question is, which deck does it land in? And he was right. It was a, just a blast. It's nice to see Moncada. He's got 10 hits. He's the fifth White Sox player ever, ever, to have 10 hits or more and 10 RBIs or more in the first six games, along with Quintana, Floyd Robinson, Zeke Benora, and Shoeless Joe Jackson. Well, I never worked with Joe, but I worked with big Zeke Benora back in the sure. 40s. Oh, he could pound the ball. Floyd Robinson was one of my favorites when I first started watching baseball. <laughs> he led the, league in, led the league in doubles one year. Yes, he did. Uh, for the White Sox. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great. Plus, he moved to third base. And don't let anybody tell you people don't take their uh, fielding oh, yeah. to the plate. He doesn't have to worry about anything but fielding ground balls. And, uh, you know, doesn't have to worry about backing up anybody. He just has to worry about playing the position. It's so much easier than second base. And you can see it. He's concentrated yeah. on hitting since uh, two weeks after the season last year. And it shows with Moncada. Well, Moncada, of course, the key uh, uh, in the uh, Chris Sale and, trade with the Red Sox. Yeah, and does Chris Sale suck? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he might have an uh, owie in the uh, Army. Well, his fastball's going at 89, 89 uh-huh. to 91 instead of the uh, yeah. 96, 97 yeah. he used to throw. Yeah, bum flipper. That's why, that's why he signed that nice long contract. Oh, yeah. now, Protection. Well, that's why he did it the first time, too. He yep. kept waiting for it to happen. The, exactly. And... Uh, might have been a, a good timing by uh, Rick Khan. Now, Mancata, uh, he led the league in strikeouts last year. Did yes, he? And 217, he, I think. Yeah, and, and, errors. He, and he led second baseman yeah. in errors. So right now, both of those have done a dramatic uh, uh, 180. He's not striking out. I think he only has uh, four or five strikeouts, whatever, but he's hitting the ball. Two, I heard uh, uh, Ricky Renteria with two strikes. Now he's making contact, which you know yep. that's what you're supposed to do. Shorten up the swing a little bit. Maybe even choke up half an inch. You know they don't do yeah. that anymore. Well, I understand. His but. Slash line is four fifty eight average, five nineteen on base, and an eight seventy five slugging. His OPS is one point three nine four right now. So I mean he's doing everything right, and he's he's fielding the ball. He's made some great plays in the field already. Yeah. Short balls, he had to come in. Uh, he cuts over towards short very, very well, getting the balls that would have been in the in the in the hole at short. And uh, so he's playing really well, and it's nice to see. Take a look at Tim Anderson. A big, big day. The kids batting in the two hole. Uh, three hits, the home run, and uh, he, he looks like a uh, refreshed, rejuvenated new guy. He's done this each and every year. He's gotten better. And last year, I was all over him. He really improved his uh, shortstop defense. Then this year, comes out first two games, two errors. But he's been hitting the ball, and he's confident. Uh, he just came back after his wife had their second daughter. Uh, 7 for 16, 438, 471, 688. His OPS is over is 1, 1.158. And uh, they're just hitting the ball. They're playing well. They seem to be having fun. But they still do not know how to call the ball when there's a pop-up. Yeah. 
The outfielders don't. Yesterday, Leary Garcia ran into Adam Engel. There's been two balls dropped in front of Eloy Jimenez. The first time, Tim Anderson called it and didn't take it. The next time, Jimenez says, well, I don't want to run him down. So he pulled up. They've had three balls drop in the outfield because they can't communicate. Thrills. Let me, Murph, when you're in grade school and you're hitting there, they're calling, you know, 500. You hit fly balls. There's a ball up in the air. You called it. Me tango, me tango. Yesterday, Ryan Cordell, a ball to right field. Uh He's screaming at the top of his lungs so that he doesn't get run into. I got it. Let's go back to Tim Anderson. He might have won the game with a game-changing sure play did. on the bases. Yep. I'll set it up, Fred. You tell everybody what happened. It's the uh, bottom of the seventh inning. Sox are trailing for, looks like, about eight to six. But Abreu was up with men on first and second. Nobody out, right? And the tying run at the plate. Last thing you need is a giddy-up. Grounded into double play. What does Abreu do with uh, uh, Anderson on first? It's a, a two-hopper to the shortstop. Looks like a, a double play. No. Sure does. Why why not? Uh, Anderson got a great jump. He was getting a great jump off first base. He gets in, slides in before the flip over to second. Then Abreu gets down the line and beats the throw to first. Yeah. So everybody was safe. He loaded the bases. I thought very, it could have nice. been an infield hit if you beat the throw, but they said fielder's choice. I'm sure that's correct. Yeah. But Tim Anderson, hidden, don't see it in the box score. That was a huge play. And then they end up getting three runs that in in the Sox to go ahead 9-8, uh, uh, to eight, and they uh, win the game uh, by the final score of 10-8. Uh, to eight. They just need Ronaldo Lopez to be able to stay in a game. You get yep. a 6-1 lead, and all of a sudden you give up six just runs. Just like a Cubs pitcher. Yeah. I think he only lasted, what, through the uh, fifth inning, if yeah, I'm five, not mistaken. Five-plus for the second game in a row, I want to say. So this morning, uh, the White Sox, uh, it's early, one game out of first place, uh, in fourth place between, between behind, I'm sorry, Minnesota, Detroit tied for first, Cleveland, the Chicago Cubs, you don't want to hear it, uh, the Cubs are uh, five and a half games back of Milwaukee, uh, tied with Cincinnati, a dreadful team, along with the Cubs, uh, statistically today in the standings, both teams won and they're, six. They're losing in different ways. The Reds have been shut out three games in a row, and the mm-hmm. Cubs have scored scored ten runs last night and still lose by three. How about the Reds? They bring in those veteran, 32-year-old, 33. Kemp isn't hitting for the Dodgers. Puig ain't hitting from the Dodgers. And they lost their spark plug for six weeks. Scooter. Yep. Jeanette at second base. The That's Reds. the biggest loss. Yeah, I mean, he's their number two hitter. He's their heart and soul of the team. Jesse Rogers. He's a heart and soul of 10 o'clock here with Murph and Fred. Back in a flash at CS. PN 1000. Just all right, even better because one minute away from Jesse Rogers. Oh, he was—he looked so dapper yesterday on Channel Seven <laughs> in his nice little Channel Seven polo and everything. He looked awesome. He hates being indoors when the roof's closed because it looks funny when he wears his sunglasses. <laughs> hey, vote right now! The Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. Multiple choice: A, B, C, or D. The Cubs' biggest problem right now is A. Round up the usual suspects, Murph. Hey, it's Tom Ricketts is the biggest problem. Theo Epstein's the biggest problem. Joe Madden's the biggest problem. Or the players are the biggest problem. Hey, give me a little Jesse intro music there, please.
out to Milwaukee, Jesse Rogers, our baseball expert, follows the Cubs around the country, whether they want him to or not. Good morning, Jesse. <laughs> Good morning, Murph and Fred. Who would have thunk we would be watching this kind of baseball at this point well, in the season? I'll, I'll I mean, tell, my God, you, hold on. I, I, this is a shocker I'll, to me. I'll tell you who. Dakota. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say, I went on Waddle and Sylvie a couple times at the end of spring, and uh-huh. I started to get a bad feeling about, about the team, but not this bad. Not this bad. I, I thought, you know, high 80s, you know, and they still might get there, obviously, but mm-hmm. but never thought they'd start out like this. This is quite something. Jesse, uh, I always love all your work at ESPNChicago.com. Uh, is that where we find them? I always look them up. Yep. ESPNChicago.com. You find them everywhere. That's you right. find them on Twitter at, at ESPN Shy yeah. Cubs. And how about, how about your great line of, uh, line of the day? Uh, well, the Cubs haven't uh, won a game in, in a week. It seems like a month. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it does, true, doesn't it? it can, does. you, can you believe it? Yeah. My God, it was it was a week ago Thursday, and and think about that opener. They scored twelve runs. Mm-hmm. They get enough pitching to win the game. Everything looks good. You think, okay, we're already we're already. Rate. I remember asking John Lester after that game. Can we? Do you think in short order we'll be able to erase the bad memories of the end of last season? He's like, yeah, I think so. I think so. Instead, the memories are just getting worse for for fans. Um, amazing turnaround since that game one. It's just been awful, awful pitching since then. Well, and you didn't. I don't think anybody could have expected that it would be everywhere, for the exception of John Lester. It's starters. It's the bullpen. Uh, it's definitely on hitting. It's all the pitching, though, except for John Lester. And in a way, this is what Joe, Jed, and Theo are going to bank on. My point being, there's no way it's going to continue. There's no way 12 out of 13 pitchers are going to stink for the next six months. So the point is this, to weather an early, early storm, and then even Steve Ciszek said it to me the other day, in a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, we'll look back at this, just like we're talking about the end of last year, as sort of a distant memory. Because they're probably right. 12 out of 13 pitchers aren't going to continue like this. But are they going to be good enough to win a division? That's the bigger question. Nobody cares if they're 81 and 81. They want to know if they can get to 90-plus. And right now, it doesn't look good. One in six teams, even at one in six, there aren't many that make the playoffs, at least not historically. Jesse, nothing kills a team quicker than you know a bad bullpen, except there's one thing that's worse than a bad bullpen. That's when your starters don't get into the sixth inning, seventh inning, maybe once a month, the week in the eighth inning. Here are these seven starts. And then you get to the bullpen early. And when the bullpen's scuffling anyway, it's a recipe for disaster, Tommy Brenneman. All right. Lester's had two nice outings, quality starts, six innings, 98 pitches, six innings, 106 pitches. Nice starts. I'm not saying great, but nice starts. Here's the remaining in order from game two through last night, five other uh, games and the starter. Darvish, two and two-thirds innings. He was up to 75 pitches. Hamels, five innings. He was up to 100 pitches. Hendricks, four and a third innings, up to 95. Darvish, uh, two days ago, four innings pitched up to 71. And last night, the coup d'etat, or the Q, Q d'etat, uh, Quintana, three innings, 76 pitches. Uh, Jesse, even if you have a good bullpen, you're going to be in trouble sooner than later. But with a bullpen that's scuffling, this is not good. 
Remember, all the money on this team practically is tied up in that starting rotation. They are 29th in starters ERA. They're also 29th in relievers ERA. But the relievers make a you know one percent of the salary compared sure. to what the uh, yeah. the starters do. I mean, those guys are paid to pitch and pitch well and pitch deep. It's not happening so far. Save John Lester who just will battle, battle, battle. It doesn't matter what happens behind him. doesn't matter if he gives up two solo homers in an inning. That's the one guy everybody could to, could learn from. But you're right, Murph. I mean, that's as big an issue as the bullpen right now. You know, just last night it was Quintana who took uh, the beating, and he says after the game, oh. uh, they ambushed me tonight. They jumped me uh, right away. I feel really bad. I tried to pick up my teammates. But how much does Andy Haynes being with the Milwaukee Brewers mean for this? I don't know. A little bit. Here, I'll give you a bigger thing here. If the Brewers were smart, they were probably watching what was going on in Atlanta and in Texas and even maybe listening and reading the comments, because even yesterday Kyle Hendricks said to me, and it was obvious over the last 48 hours, they were making a commitment within that staff to throw strikes, telling the world we're going to throw strikes, which makes sense after all those walks. So what they did, what did Quintana do? <laughs> yeah. He threw strikes, and, and they jumped him. Yep. Yep. So yep. Now, now, and Edwards <laughs> threw strikes, and they jumped him. So, <laughs> you know, five home runs last night, guys, uh. after all those games of walks, this pitching staff has got to be, you know, a, a little bit caught in between right now. We're damned if we do, damned if we don't. The key is you've got to make better pitches in the strike zone to get guys out. They didn't ah, do that last. Ah, night. see, Quintana doesn't have a better pitch. That's the other problem. So Braun is batting. We talked about this last hour. Uh, it's uh, three. It's uh, three to nothing. Braun is up with two on and uh, two out and ball one. Quintana then he's got no out pitch. He's got nothing. He throws a ninety-two mile an hour. That's his top end, as Fred always calls those pitches that get me over fastballs. He put it right about right about there, like on a tee, and that ball rocketed out for the three-run homer. What did Quintana have as an option? One ball, no strikes, two on, two out. And what could he have thrown on one ball, no strike to uh, a Braun, other than the ninety-two mile an hour home run pitch? What does he have? Well, I mean, a better placement of, of the 92-mile-an-hour oh, wow. pitch, a little more movement right. with it. You, you saw Brandon Kinsler until he got hit last <laughs> night. What he was doing, he was, he was finding movement within the strike zone. You saw that until he got hit last night. That's what, I mean, that's what the best pitchers do. They, 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 they're able to move the ball within the strike zone, get some swings and misses, or freeze a few guys. I mean, well, I, I mean you can't tell me every strike's got to be hit out for a home run, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. But, you so, know, you uh, met- he just... You know, they, they made a point of throwing strikes, and what happened is they ended up in the in the bleachers. Well, and you yeah. meant, you mentioned Kinsler, though, because until last night, he was one of the guys that wasn't having problems. And yesterday, one inning, you know, three runs, four hits, and, you know, he did strike out a couple of guys, but they were launching off on him, too. Was it the same situation with him, being told everyone's got to throw more strikes? <laughs> no, because he hadn't been walking guys, and he does. he's kind of been doing his own thing. He's not a big scouting report guy. I mean, for what it's worth, he threw. He gave up a three-run homer to Thames. He told me afterwards he, the slider slipped, the ball slipped out of his hand. He was throwing a slider, and it stayed up, I believe, and it slipped out of his hand. He said it was like his worst pitch uh, of the season. But, you know, that just adds on to everything else that's gone wrong here. Yeah. So, he, in some ways, he's probably the least of their problems, giving up just, you know, there was, the game was pretty much over anyway. But um, he made it a lot worse, no doubt. So, look, 12 pitchers are not pitching well right now. I've never seen anything like that, really. The uh, walk by... Yeah, I'll give Strope a little bit of a break. He's only thrown a couple times, but well, yeah, basically well, 12 pitchers. And he didn't pitch, he didn't throw 
hardly at all in the spring. Right. We'll get to that in a moment. You've been talking yeah. about that. But one last thing with Quintana. He walks the uh, Brewer pitcher in the uh, bottom of the second inning, which will lead to a uh, a four-run inning. You know, if you can't if you can't bore in and uh, rear back and, and throw strikes to the pitcher, boy, that's not good. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. You know, it's hard when it comes to Darvish and Quintana and this old idea of mm-hmm. they're not big game pitchers. I, I don't, I can't get inside their head, so I'm always careful about mm-hmm. calling guys soft and all that stuff. But if you're asking me mm-hmm. who you want on the mound when the team is one and five and reeling. And to pitch around mistakes and all this other stuff, I don't know if it's Quintana. I don't know. He he hasn't proven to be, for lack of a better phrase, a big game guy. He's had problems in the playoffs. He's had problems in the pressure situation. I mean, Dan Plesek was on the air yesterday, and Dan Plesek knows you know a ton more about pitching than any of us. And he said it. You know, Darvish in Texas he could hide some of the things. Less media pressure, less attention. The Rangers don't have the fan base the Cubs do. You bring him to Chicago different story. Now, in Katana's case, you just brought him across town. So, I just, I'm getting to that whole idea, like, you, mm. you needed him, for lack of a better, to step up, and what does he do? He walks the yeah. pitcher, then gives up a hit to the pitcher, then he's serving up gopher balls. I mean, you, that game was out of reach in the second inning. So, um, I, 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 again, I, I'd hate to go down this road. I have more faith that Hamels will step up. I mean, that's a guy tonight. Team is reeling. Six-game losing streak. I don't know if they're going to win, but I would bet she keeps them in the game. He just has that about him. And, you know, him and Lester, that's why they've survived so long and are potential Hall of Famers. What makes it all that much worse was that they knew before the season started, okay, we're going to use Quintana out of the bullpen. We're going to set him up for his first start in Milwaukee. He pitches great. His previous six outings at Miller Park, seven earned runs total in a 162 ERA against the Brewers. And then that happens. I'm taking everybody yesterday. Everybody, oh, I'm taking the Cubs at Quintana because he's six and one. And, yeah, right. Good luck with that theory. I, 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 I never bought into that. You no. need a much larger sample size. <laughs> I almost tweeted out before the game, yeah. hey, don't be fooled by the 6-1 and one record. And by the one, by the way, the one loss he got, I believe he got he got rocked. He got hit pretty hard. So where was what was yeah. the reasoning there? He happened to have a good little run against a, a, a one team. It's not 30 games. It mm. was 7 or 8 or whatever it is. I, I wasn't buying into that thing. That made that did not make me any yeah. more confident going into last night. Hey, what are you, one of the odds couple? <laughs> <laughs> I should be. I know. <laughs> Jesse, no, then there'd be three of them then. You could join them. Uh, let's see here. That'd be really odd. Oh, oh back to Quintana and back to uh, Darvish and the whole, all the baseball knew about his uh, issues. I'll be polite. You know, his, his issues. Uh, you know what doesn't tell you about the issues? Sabermetrics. Sabermetrics doesn't tell you how's the guy's heart beating. Doesn't tell you uh, if Quintana's a big-time guy that shows you the numbers. Darvish, the, the, the p- propeller head spinning around the numbers and uh, showing them to Theo. You know what? The numbers are fine. They can't read the heartbeat. But you know what? What do I know? I'm just a fan. Here's what I do know. Descalso. All right? This guy has three good at-bats every time he's played. Before the game yesterday, Joe said, he's giving me professional at-bats. i got to find a way to get him in. Let me just say this. And this will tie in with with the the Jay Hay kid. Not the Say Hay kid. That was Willie Mays. Uh Jason Hayward. The Jay Hay kid. Descalso, Jesse Fred, should never be on the bench if Hayward's in the starting lineup. Descalso should never be on the bench 
If Hayward's in the start, they play different positions, Murph. I'm not an idiot. I understand that. I'm just saying, you got to get this kid in the lineup. He's a 30-year-old veteran, whatever. But if you're going to put Hayward in and not this Kelso, you got to tell me why, Joe. Or the, or the computer puts, prints it out. Yeah, you know, at least you could say their offense isn't the problem, so maybe they could survive having Hayward in there. He did homer last night. Now, it's a little misleading. They scored a bunch of runs these last two nights after the game was out of hand, but they still count. They mm-hmm. still count, and they, right. they have had good at-bats. Um, they have had good at-bats, other than the five double plays by Hayward. They have had good at-bats. My point is, I'm not, in some ways, Hayward's the least of the problems, Murph. He really is. The, the, the rest of the team is kind of hitting, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, again, 8 nothing and 9 nothing. It's hard to judge. You know, the opposing pitchers are just kind of throwing strikes at that point. But anyway, I don't disagree right. with you. He hasn't been great. Descalso has been. you got to ride that a little bit. The problem also is you've made the lineup out three days ahead of time. Oh, yeah, the new, the new deal. <laughs> That's right. You're and right. Joe said he's not, yeah. not going to waver early on. He's kind of going to go with this rotation. Then when someone emerges, maybe things change, you know, in May. But, look, I've been asked this a million times. They're not going away from Jason Hayward any more than they have in the past, at least not now. Jesse, let me interject. I want every, I'm sorry. I wasn't as much bum-wrapping Hayward, though, yeah. though, you know, as promoting Descalso. Sure. Every sure. time he it. bats, Look, he hits the ball hard. Uh, and, and Hayward's home run, and you dance, you, you all but tell you, it was a 91 mile an hour, uh, you know, down by the knees, which, uh, he, that's what he can handle. But no disrespect, he hit a home run. I understand it. Don't right. get me wrong. Yeah. But Descalso's got a play. I'm just trying to figure out how to get him in. That's sort of what yeah, I was no, saying. I'm with you. I'm with all you. Right. They, uh, but that was interesting. Well, they've already put the lineups up for the next two days. How <laughs> so, so on the plane ride from Atlanta, Everybody yeah. knew who was playing Sunday. Yeah, that would be yep. called the blue. That's, right. that's, that's the, weird. That's the blue New Deal. <laughs> huh? It's really a millennial thing, doesn't it? Oh, sound yeah. like that. Just a right, total but... millennial thing. You know, you think Mickey Mantle knew when he was playing? He just woke up, showed up. Oh, I'm playing. I'm not ah. playing. Ron, Ron Coomer told a great story last night to me afterwards. You know, that's when the best stuff is told. Can sure. you tell he it on the air? Did he know you were going to quote him? <laughs> I don't think he cares. He's probably told. Tom <laughs> Kelly. Tom Kelly told him he had the night off. After like uh, ten in a row, he went out, had some fun, pretty late, and then of course someone came up late the next day. He had like no sleep. You're playing. He went three for four with four RBIs. You know, I can't believe these guys need to go three days ahead of time when they're playing. But that's that's I agree. that's the era we're in. Rizzo was on with Cap about three weeks ago when that first came forth, and Rizzo said, "Well, some guys may like that, but some guys may not." And I didn't hear any more follow-up. Ask maybe then we can. You know, some guys don't want to know. But and, the thing well, about the- I, I did. I did interview a bunch of them in uh-huh. spring training about uh-huh. this. Yeah. And you know what they told me is. Come back to me in June. I'll let you know. I've yeah. never been told ahead of time, so I am going to go back. Sure. To you know where you know where the pressure may kick in when a guy knows he's playing one day and then not playing the next two. Yeah. And to him, it's like, okay, I got to I got to make sure I do something in this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I, I, that was the next my point. I asked Jed, I asked Joe about the unintended consequences, yeah. and they didn't disagree. There are some, but their ultimate answer was, "How can more communication be a bad thing?" And, you know, maybe they're right, mm-hmm. but maybe they're wrong. And we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. They, they, if you know you're only playing one day, you might you know, load up on that day on your swings and, you know, pl- get out of your game a little bit. I don't know. And then you got to sit. It's not and, the reason they're one and six. Let's put it that way. And then you got to sit on the bench for two games and think about it, which makes right. it even worse. You, right. Yeah. And you know that ahead of time. You also know if you go four for four, you may be on the bench the next day. Sure. But, of course, but, of course, if you go 0 for 5, you may be in the lineup the next day. It won't matter. <laughs> uh, and that's what they're trying to tell the guys. Don't worry about that night. Just perform. 
it's not going to affect your playing time. All the places are in pieces. <laughs> visiting with Jesse. Visiting with Jesse. Good reverse Wani uh, right that's, there. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I do, Jesse. Uh, scapegoat Joe. You know, I was calling him Fungo Bad Joe, but he's Scapegoat Joe. There's a thing in management. And thank goodness I've never been in management because everyone hates me and I'm not even in management. But punishment of the innocent. Punishment of the innocent. That's right there, number three or four on uh, guys like Theo's list. So yeah, but Joe, yeah, let's blame Joe, and then uh, uh, they'll not ask the correct questions because if you don't ask the right questions, not you, Jesse, but everybody, then you don't have to worry about the answers. Let's set up the fall guy scapegoat, Joe. They should. That's just me. You don't have to comment, Fred. They should have fired him in October. They should have said, you know what. We're not keeping you after the year, whether sink or swim World Series or not, because it does nothing but make everybody talk and everyone looking around what's going on. That's just me, Jesse. They should have fired him in October because they're not bringing him back. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. You don't have Yeah, no, to. I do. I do. I'm, I, you know what's fascinating to me? And the, honestly, this is fascinating to me. Joe Madden, and you, you should know this by now, is opening a restaurant by Mother's Day, maybe on Mother's Day, uh-huh. called Madden's Post. Right by Wrigley Field. It's been in the papers now. It's public. He's been working on it for several years now. It's finally going to open. Now, this is interesting to me. And, he, and this is a guy that he's hands-on. Kind of like when Ditka opened his, he was hands-on. He just didn't put his name on it. He was there. He was in on the menu. He was showing up. Talked to Joe about this just you know, casually about if you open a restaurant as a celebrity, you, you need to be there. You just can't put your name on it. Joe's like, no, 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 I'm, over, I'm always at Ava down in Tampa. I'm going to be there. Think about what, what that looks like. That's my, my feeling is whatever happens with Joe, he's sticking around Chicago one way or another because he's opening a restaurant. He's hired people. It's a big deal. Wait a minute. Hey, no, a big deal. Every, everything you say makes sense. You think, you think Tom Ricketts is going to lease him a restaurant on the uh, Gallagher Way Triangle with the old manager? No, it's going to be David Ross's Restaurante or it's going to be Mar- Mark DeRose's Deli. No, my, my point being, if he gets fired... I wonder if they offer him some advisory role or something where he can stick He'll around. Tell him the go guy has stick a, it. Stick a business it. opening. Uh, but I don't disagree with your, yeah. your, your, okay. your premise, right. Murphy. And right. most, most fans uh, agree with it as well. Right. He's kind of kind of been set up to fail this year. Not that mm-hmm. it's not all, you know, some of it's on him, right. too. He, okay. he, it's his job to bring out the best sure. in players, mm-hmm. and he hasn't done that. But he has kind of been set up to all fail. Right. I think we all agree. You guys heard my rant the other day how Terry Francona gets a two-year extension <laughs> And Joe Madden's in the wind here. It makes no sense. He's to me. not in the wind. It's punishment of the innocent, CYA for Theo, and it's uh, the scapegoat Joe. It's very simple. Theo saw this all coming. He's got no waves of talent coming because of Jason McLeod's seven years still looking for his first starting pitcher. It'll finally be Dylan Cease. He had to trade Eloy for Q because there was nothing coming through the ranks. But. Let me go to this new this new deal stuff. I only, we only visit with I only you know with Fred once a week. Fast food on the flights. This has been irritating me. So they've been. This is one of the things of three four weeks. Oh, no more fast food on the flights. All right, you know what? I'm just a fan. I'm, I I don't fly around. I don't know what's going on. Jesse, you're not on the team flight. No, that none of the uh, press is correct. You guys fly in your own. Right. Uh, okay, but how did they fast food get on the flight? My guess is on the way, one of the clubbies would pick up McDonald's right. or something. I, I right. don't know, but that, so, that, that okay. probably, it wasn't served on the flight. No, no. It was brought no, no, onto no. the flight. Oh, I understand that. Yeah. So the clubby did it. All right. So, My guess. So 
for for uh, since Theo's been here, uh, the clubbies or whatever we can assume makes an ass out of me. I know that. So the fast food has been banned. It's been allowed all year for the last since Theo got there. The fast food is now part of the problem. How about this? Do you know most general managers in baseball make road trips? They fly with the team, or they might fly later. The team, but most I understand. That uh, the Cubs have a, uh, the third guy down down the ranks, Randy Bush. He's like the assistant to Jed or whatever. He makes right. most of the road trips. Theo doesn't make road trips uh, generally, and uh, I understand uh, Jed Hoyer only makes the road trip to St. Louis because the in-laws uh, live down there. Point is, didn't Theo know about this fast food all along? Couldn't he have said to the clubby, "Oh, by the way, you do that again and you're fired"? It's it's like all of a sudden this stuff. Hey, how about the honeymoon? I'm going back. To that damn 2017. Oh, it's a honeymoon. It's a honeymoon. All right. Where was the sense of urgency then? Now, all of a sudden, oh, it's urgent because they got a TV deal coming. There's no money over there anymore. Well, you see the walk up start dropping if this keeps. Now, all of a sudden, there's urgency. Where was the urgency? Not by the players, not by Joe Madden, not by you, not by me. Where was the Theo urgency in 2017 when they were lollygagging it through it, it appears now? Well, I'm not. I, I, you know what? That part I'm not gonna. Right. I'm not gonna go down that road with you as much. There, right. that was the hangover year after winning the World Series for the first time. Oh, in I mean, hangover. Years. I was saying honeymoon. The hangover. Whatever. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But anyway. But but this year I've said it several times, and I think it's true that because of all the things you said, that no waves of talent, no money to make to make deals, no no ability to make trades, whatever, they they turned inward and said, all right, fast food and and this and that. I mean, come on. Does eliminating fast food, is that going to make uh, Edwards throw strikes? I mean, that's what I said uh, all spring. Like, all these things they did, are any of them going to make a, me- a difference on the field? But I also had a caveat. If you address enough things and you're a little bit better each of them, a little bit better in nutrition, a little bit better in this, you might make a difference. But that difference is still going to be small. Isn't it sort of laughable now to be thinking about fast food when 12 out of 13 yeah. pitchers can't find the plate? So that's that was that's they didn't have anywhere else to turn, so they turned inward yeah. with their day to day operations, and that wasn't enough apparently. Search for the guilty and punishment of the innocent from Theo and the top. Oh, you just reminded me. You said Edwards. How anyone with half a brain? And Fred, I want to believe I said this, new in spring training, that was an illegal pitch. Then the pitching coach goes, oh, well, you know, we didn't know, and uh, uh, the spring training, the umps didn't call it. I know umpires, and I know in spring training, they don't give a rat's rooty tooty about nothing. You think they're going to make a move in spring training? And, oh, that's a bot, uh, Joe, my pitching coach, uh, 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 Edwards. Anyone that watched that, it, it's, it's got to be a continuous motion. He was not doing what the Canley, Hanley Jensen was doing. And then the, the pitching coach says, well, he covered his ass nice the other day. The pitching coach, well, you know what? Uh, Edwards did it different in the game than he was doing it in Arizona. There's, no, baloney. Anyway. Well, I thought he was doing it different early in Arizona than he did later in the, in the month. So, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
the point is he, yeah. he was doing something illegal, st- and, and now he's come back to his old stupid. motion. That's bad, too. How stupid can you look? You got spring training rolling down there, and uh, Strope only threw a little, a couple batters because of the hammy. You got everybody hurt down there. You got the, uh, Brock. He only got threw a little bit because of mono or whatever he had. Monty didn't throw. He still didn't look right because of his shoulder. Uh, Edwards learning an illegal motion. Then you wonder why. See, Strope... That's- Brock and Monty, Fred, they shouldn't have even come north. They weren't ready. But you got to remember. As a matter of fact, let, let me jump in. I'll, I'll call this informed speculation since sure. last night. Good. Don't be surprised if Montgomery's on the injured list uh, before tonight's game. There Placed on the injured list. Mm-hmm. I could see a uh, Tim Collins coming up. He pitched two nights ago for AAA. I think there's a really good chance Edwards will be sent down before tonight's game. You could see an Allen Webster, who they'd have to add to the 40-man. You're going to see at least one, maybe two moves, yeah. starting with Montgomery, who, by the way, I'm, and he has not said this to me, but I don't think Montgomery's very happy right now. He's further away from being a starter pitch, starting pitcher than he's ever been, than he's ever been, because he can't be the long man on this team because you have to have Chatwood there. He's not suited for the role that he's in, the short lefty man, and he's, he's hurting his monetary value. I'm sure his agent's not happy. I think he's going on the IL. He was not ready to start the season. I've been saying yeah, that for two yeah. weeks. Nobody, nobody with the team has been saying that, but I don't think he was ready. And, I, and, and Edwards, is, it's almost, you know, you've got to send him down at this point. You, yeah. you almost have to. So Webster, Collins are my get, educated guesses, but because uh, they both pitched two nights ago for Good. Iowa, Good job. Iowa, we'll see. And both those guys Theo raved about in camp, Webster and Collins, or just even picking up Collins. So we'll see what they can do. Sounds good. Them. Scoop Rogers and uh, Iowa Cubs the last two nights. Maples walked three guys in the two thirds of an innings, and Dunsing got lit up. Other than that, everything's fine. Jesse, you're the best. <laughs> Go have some fast food. Oh Go God, have some... I hope they win a few games this week just for you, Mark. Go have a few you. brats. Have a few brats. Just got some there. fast brats. Go yeah. have some fast brats. A lot of sauerkraut, and you'll be running fast. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> See you, Jess. The little guy, Murph and Fred. I know we're over the clock, Eric. All right, Fred, let's get back to our baseball beat, White Sox and the Cubs. Look at what the Tribune says, reversing roles. Oh, boy, White Sox looking like the team of the future. Cubs the team of the past year. CSPN 1000. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Halfway home. Hope you're having a great, 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 great Saturday. Murph and Fred, always 9 till noon. It's supposed to be gorgeous all day long today, I think. And, uh, nice. So we'll see. Yeah. See how things go. And uh, I'm going to my first Sox game on uh, Tuesday. We're going to talk to uh, Josh Nelson from the Sox Machine podcast at 11 o'clock. Right. Cool. Uh, I'm going opening day Monday at Wrigley Field. Which is 71. 71 and a uh, little uh, breeze about eight miles an hour blowing out to right field. Look out below. Uh, let's bring in EO 11. Eric, any uh, changes or poll results? We've been running these since 8 a.m. <clears throat> Excuse me. Who gets to the World Series uh, next? The Cubs or the Sox? A Tribune sort of talking about uh, who's trending up, who's trending down. The results were about 50-50, 51-49 an hour ago. Are we staying uh, consistent, or what do we have now, please, Eric? Yeah, right now we're still at 51% for the Cubs, 49 okay. for the White Sox. All righty, interesting. Uh, White Sox fans... 
Vote right now, if you wish. We hope you do at ESPN 1000. Would you like to have Sox fans vote? Would you like to have Joe Madden as your manager next year? Yes or no? He's going to have a restaurant in town. He might want to just stay in town. Yeah, he may want to wait to open that until uh, after he knows if he's staying uh-huh. or not. Because I, and there's nothing worse than having a restaurant here when yeah. you're actually somewhere else. The little guys are going to reach out to the phone and grab. Well, you know, he's going to have a restaurant. He can't get rid of He's going to have a restaurant. He's got to be here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be tough. Would you Plus, like he, to should, have... he should realize <laughs> that other than Ditka's, no other restaurant in town from a sports person has yeah. actually made it. Red Curs for about a year and a half. and then uh, McMahon's. Oh, I mean, I a know. lot of places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't make it. The uh, Tomb Dog Inn in Lockport's uh, there. Well, I, and, and I'm sure, and uh, I'm looking forward to going there. My, buddy, there. my brother lives yeah. right near the, right. in the neighborhood. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, Sox fans, uh, vote now, yes or no. Would you like Joe Madden as your manager next season? And let's bring in EO11 real quick. What were the results of the uh, poll we've been running? Cubs fans, multiple choice. The Cubs' biggest problem is... Tom Ricketts, Theo Epstein, Joe Madden, the players. Now, Fred, this used to always be the players. We know that. Have we done this one sort of a few times over the past? I don't know about you know if you know me much, but uh, well, you're going to go the players. I always blame the players. I, I know. Yeah, but, I blame, blame the players right. for everything. No, you're exactly yeah. right. But here, here's why I laid this out. Not just for you, everybody. Uh-huh. Who accumulated and acquired the players? Right. So that would be. Well, not Joe and not Ricketts. Right. So an argument could be made, not just sports talk, you know. The players got to play better. I agree with you 100%. Unless the players aren't good enough or have gotten bad right. unexpectedly soon. Well, and the thing, you know, and the thing Jesse was talking, we've talked about it all day, their pitching is what's killing them. They're first in the major leagues in hitting. They're second in uh, on-base percentage. Yeah. They're fifth in slugging. So it's not their hitting that has cost them all these games. But they're last in run differential in the National League. Yeah, that's another wonderful and stat. 29th in the big leagues. Their ERA is 30th and their whip is 30th, and they've allowed an average. They've allowed the yeah. opposition to hit 321. That's pretty good. I'll tell you. Yeah, 321, your Hall of Fame. If you don't get five to seven innings out of your starting pitching almost every day of the week, maybe one time bad, you're in mucho trouble. Yeah, Cole Hamels today. So, yeah. it's a biggie. Did, uh, you know that, did you know that Christian Yelich did not hit a homer against the Cubs last year? I don't think I heard that. Yeah, I heard that last night. He hit 213 against the Cubs last year with no homers. Pretty amazing stuff. Not a bad ball player. I believe uh, no. he was MVP. Yeah, no, he's gotten uh-huh. he's gotten to be pretty good. <laughs> Eric, what the Cub fans say? What's the biggest problem? Just start right from the top. Ricketts was it Epstein? Was it Madden? Was it the players? What's the winner? Okay, so the winner is fifty nine percent of the vote is for the players. All right, okay, that's to be expected. That's usually you know the winner. Uh, but then what came in second? Joe Madden. Uh, Tom Ricketts with nineteen percent. Oh, because he because he closed Theo's bottomless Coke checkbook that never would end, right? I, I would assume that'd be the yeah, reason. I would think mm-hmm. so too. Then, poor. Then we got some change to throw around between uh, who? Theo and Madden. Uh, Theo's got fifteen percent, and then the lowest with only seven percent is Madden. Yeah, not, never bl- never blame. Uh, okay, but here's my biggest question: Never then. blame Teflon Theo. If Madden is last, well, and we're going to go elsewhere after this. Right. If Madden yeah. is last in blame, 
Uh-huh. Then when they win, he should be last in credit. Okay, that's what you've always said. And that's what Ozzy had uh, said. And okay. then Ozzy again, when he and then he came in studio one day and he talked uh-huh. about the importance of managers. But he used to always say, you know, I, I take the blame when we lose. When we win, it's the players. No, it's always the it's always the players. Win or lose, it's always the players in my book. Well, and you're seeing now. Now I've been saying this. For how long has Theo been here? Since 12, that's seven years, whatever. I've said this from the beginning. Theo's terrific as long as he can outspend his mistakes. Boston got tired of it and wouldn't give him any more money. And now you're seeing the same thing. Theo's terrific yeah, as long as he can outspend his mistakes. And finally, Ricketts couldn't take it anymore, plus the cash flow. And so Ricketts, I'm slamming shut your checkbook. The bottom is Coca-Cola checkbook that never ends. So Theo says, I better start greasing the skids, as we used to say. I better start greasing the skids for Joe to deflect all the uh, uh, complaints, all the trouble. But I got to tell you, and there's probably there may be Cub fans that agree with this, but when you're the owner and you put out that kind of money, and then your guy goes on out and gets Darvish, Chatwood, and Morrow, and none of them are there the final month of the season to help you, and then they ask for more money, it's like, no. You got the money. You're still paying them this year. We had to sign Hamels for $20 million. Figure it out. Even Paul's Pizza in Westchester, they <laughs> get tired of you on your 40-second free Coke. They go, you know what? The bottom is Coke for you. is out. It's yeah. gone. Get out of here. It's gone. Yeah, it's over with. <laughs> Let's quick slide to George in Elmhurst. That's uh, Murph and Fred. Hello, Elmhurst. Uh, uh, you ever been to Paul's in Westchester? Yes. I, I, yeah. I How's in Chauncey. Going, Hello, hey, George. I, it's great. Hey, George. Hi, guys. Hey, I'm, I wanted to say, I think the real problem with the Cubs is Hugh Darvish. The guy's a loser. I mean, they got to get rid of him, and there's no way to get rid of him. So they are really in a bad situation. There you go. They're in a pickle. Yeah, he brings up a great Thanks, point. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. They're it, in a pickle. It is tough. You, you sign a guy for that much money, you can't, you can't move him without eating most of that money. I talked to some Dodger people, and, and not just Dodger, but also L.A. like uh, press, you know. Sure. They don't call it press anymore. Media. Yeah. And they, it was no, no shock to anybody when, the, you know, the, the Darvish has issues. It's like what? It's like, see, the number, you crunch the numbers, but you don't crunch the heart. You know, why, you know why he's struggling early in the season? I know this is mean. He spent so much time in the offseason learning English. He shouldn't have spent as much time working on his pitching. I'm surprised he ever learned English because he hears Jesse talk. He, he, he sounds great. He doesn't even sound. He doesn't even talk with an accent. Gideon in Glenview is going to lay a scripture on us. Hello, Gideon. Hey, Murph and Fred. I so I put this out as a poll question on my Twitter. It came up as four to five. Will the White Sox win a World Series before the 2024 season? I'm liking their promise thus far. I'm delighting in the fact that they're 3-3, three and three, which is better than the Cubs are right now. Also, Fred, just one shot at you. One shining moment is still the moment I live for. <laughs> Thanks, Gideon. Listen You'll to get Gideon. to hear it Monday night. Listen to Gideon. <laughs> three and three. Hey, listen, the White Sox, uh, last year I think they were only 500 like at the very beginning of the season. If they can win today, they'll get over 500. It'll be, you know, they, they, last year was a terrible year. This year, hey, if they can be close to a 500 team, that would be an amazing improvement from what they did last year. Yes, Pakoda is laughing. I just got this just in. Pakoda is laughing. Hey, uh, when we return, I want the results. Yeah, when we return, vote right now. Bears fans, Ryan Pace, yes or no, will trade. 2020 draft pick or draft picks and we'll be trading up 
and the 2019 draft. Murph and Fred back in a flash, ESPN 1000. All right, busy day, Murph and Fred. White Sox insider from Sox Machine Podcast, Josh Nelson, in a few minutes. Let's finish up with some Cubs calls. Benjamin, then Marty, then Henry. Benjamin, go. So I just wanted to make a comment on the uh, U Darvish signing, and I think the first caller made a good point because the Cubs had to do their due diligence, and they completely missed on the fact that he was contemplating retirement. And when you're trying to go get an ace pitcher for that kind of money for that length of time, they got no dog left, it's a big problem. So I think it was a miss by the front office. How much do you think the uh, number crunching, the cyber, the sab- cyber metrics, the <laughs> saber metrics blind some organizations where they don't go investigate the heartbeat deep enough? Huh, Ben, Benjamin? I mean, that's that's that, that's a great question. I think you got to have some competitors and people who've played at a high level within the organization to kind of balance that out. So I mm. think it's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Hey, check in again, Benjamin. Good call. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Almost caller of the show. Marty is in Mantino. Hello, Marty. Murph and Fred. Hey. What's up, great Marty? Show, great show. Thanks. Hey, uh, a few things. One, Hugh Darvish is the uh, Jeff George of MLB. <laughs> million right. dollar arm, 50 cent head. Second That's good. thing, those those Pakoda projections are looking pretty good about now, aren't they? Yeah, they're uh, we, we, from an inside source. We found out that they're all doubled over at Pakoda, wherever the hell that is, laugh, <laughs> laughing because of everyone who laughed at them, right? Yeah, the last thing, you know, um, the expectations are too high. These guys are actually playing to the back of their baseball cards, you know. They had a, a career year their first year, their second year. Now they're coming back to the norm. This is who they are. Well, let Get me used to it, Cubs. Marty, hang on. Let me. You're right. Let me ask you this: After the World Series, you make no trades. I understand you make no deal. Hey, look at this. We got the nucleus, the core. They're young. They're getting better. All right, I can see that. Then after 17, not, they, they've, they've done nothing to try to shake up the old apple cart, uh, uh, Marty. That's sort of what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. You know, you definitely need to make a change, but this is who they are. They're not going to be a 100-win team. This is a 85-win team, 86-win team. All right, mister. Do you work for Pakoda? <laughs> Thanks, I'm Marty. Smarter those, I'm smarter than those guys. <laughs> Remember this, Marty. He who laughs last laughs best. That's the Pakoda guys. Thank you. You know, and, and you look at it, and uh, I don't know – if they win 85 or 86 games this year in this division, it actually might be a good enough. Oh, yeah. Because this division, uh, we'll see what St. Louis does. They still got to work on their pitching. Their pitching's still not what they think it's going to be. Um, obviously, Goldschmidt's going to hit the heck out of the ball, and they've got Azuna and some other guys. But, uh, yeah, it's it, 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 we, maybe Cincinnati's not going to be what we all thought they were going to be. Fred, look at the standings right now. The uh, Cubs <clears throat> are five and a half games behind the Brewers. Uh, lose two more and it'll be seven and a half. Monday morning, Cap's going to go berserk. Yeah, because he he forecast such a thing. What you know? He was doing. Where's my what if valve? Uh, oh, he'll only go berserk if if uh, Tom Izzo's not in the championship game. <laughs> Cap was saying, "What if they you know if they lose get swept? It'll be seven and a half." But uh, Capper had it figured out. He said, "You got to clean it up." Capper, I knew he was in trouble 20 times. He said, got to clean it up. It's not always that easy. Let's go to uh, Henry, Daytona Beach. Hello, Henry. I didn't know if that was the what if, though, or if it was my turn to talk. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Henry. 
<laughs> Guys, uh, I'm, I'm upset this morning. I, I wait for your show to vent out. Uh, I wish I could be like Black and Abdallah and just, you know, cheer for UFC and Alabama and Golden State and teams that are nowhere near Chicago. But I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm so mad at this bullpen and I'm sick and I'm like watching Corey Crawford give games away, Matt. I cannot watch CJ Edwards come in another game and do anything. This kid needs to figure it out in Iowa, Tennessee, anywhere else. But he can't figure it out in Chicago. And the Texas Rangers coach, oh, man, that's a horrible delivery. It's really confusing our hitters. Confusing our hitters. He wants, like, four guys, a home run, and a hit. I would say keep that delivery all day if I was the opposing manager. Yeah, here's an illegal move. Maybe I can get guys out with an illegal move. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Thanks, Henry. Let me just say this for Henry, Henry's our Blackhawks guy, too. Yeah. They wrap up their season today in Nashville, not what they were hoping for this yeah. year. And here's the thing. You cannot send Edwards to AAA without a lot of stuff going on because he's a fourth-year guy. Okay. 2016, 2017, 2018. You cannot send a three-year veteran down, I don't believe, unless he clears some waivers or you got a, a 40-man roster he's on, I know, but there's something hinky about uh, sending a fourth, fifth, six-year guy. You can't just willy-nilly do it. They have to either okay it. Yeah, or, I've, never, I've never understood it, um, but I, I know it's the there's... the first three years you can yeah. do anything to him, and I Options are, are simply mean you can send a one, two, three-year guy down, yeah. and no one can claim him. I don't know exactly how it works, but uh, there's a reason that it's, it's difficult to do that. Uh, oh, we're going to get EO 11 with the results. We'll have to wait on that. Uh, hey, Eric, how do we do on our uh, Bears poll? Here's the uh, setup, Fred. Ryan Pace will trade some of his 2020 draft picks either before draft day or on draft day, to move up in the 2019 uh, draft. Uh, bring an EO11 there. I'm thinking it's going to happen. It's in his DNA. He's got a boatload of 2020 uh, middle-of-the-rounds middle picks. He can't help himself. I think he's going to, because right now there's no first, no second this coming their first pick, Their first pick's going to be like 9.30 on Friday night. It would be a third, yeah. late third round, uh -huh. middle, middle, late, you know, yeah. 20th or whatever in the third round. What what the fans say there, Eric? We have an exact tie, 50-50 on this vote. I love it. I love the teeter-totter. We got 50-pound sandbags on each side of the teeter-totter, and it's parallel. I think with the moves they made, they're not going. he's not going to do it. He's just going to sit there yeah. and draft. He can't help it, though, Fred. Yeah. He's in his DNA. Sox talk next with Fred Humner and our special guest, Josh Nelson, Sox Machine Podcast, and much, much more. Hour number three around the corner. It's Murph and Fred. He has been 1,000. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Hour number three. Mike Murphy, Fred Eubner, one minute away from White Sox Talk with White Sox Insider, Josh Nelson. We visited with Josh before. He's good, Fred, from Sox Machine yep. uh, Podcast. Been busy day. I, wanted to get, I was hoping to get to some Bears talk. I have a, sort of a theory uh, on the uh, draft coming up. As I know one thing, Ryan Pace, he can't help himself. He likes to be a wheeler dealer, which is fine. White Sox, White Sox, go, go, White Sox. Exciting game yesterday. 
Round of action, Mancata hit, almost got a grand slam. We had Tim Anderson uh, hit the home run, running around. Two and two. Mancata hits it well, right of center field. Smith is back at the warning track. Smith jumps. He can't make the play. One run is home. Here comes the second one. Castillo to third. Save at home. Mancata to run double. Three and two. Moncada hits it well. Left of center. This is for the lead. Moncada drives in a pair. Welcome home, Yohan. Nine, eight, six. That's four driven in by Moncada. A two-run double in the first inning. A two-run single here in the seventh. And the Sox have recaptured the lead. Listen. The crowd, as Harry would say, highlights NBC Sports Chicago. Let's go to... uh... Actually, I think the game was on Channel 9, I think, yesterday. The Cubs were on GN. It was on NBC yesterday because oh, I was able to watch that one as oh, someone who right. cut the court. Brandon, mark the tape. Yeah. I was right. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to WMVP <laughs> Chicago. AM. Let's go and say, let's say hello to Josh Nelson over at Sox Machine, the podcast. Murph here, front alongside. Hey, Josh. Hey, how's it going, guys? How are you this afternoon? Uh, it was good after yesterday. Uh, finally, eventually, you, you, six to one leads. <laughs> six to one leads are tough when you when you all of a sudden let it get away. But uh, you know, with enough hitting, uh, you know they they were able to uh, overcome their pitching yesterday, and that's a good thing. Uh, you, you expected a little bit more from Ronaldo Lopez yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, you make a good point there, Fred. Ronaldo Lopez seemed to take his foot off the pedal when he was given a 6-1 to lead. And he's been very fastball-heavy to start the season. And he was last year as well. The problem with his fastball, though, it's not a swing-and-miss pitch for Ronaldo Lopez. It is something that hitters can consistently make contact with. And eventually, the Seattle Mariners were able to barrel it up. And we saw on why Seattle's a 7-1 and team before yesterday's loss and why... Uh, people were questioning their record because defensively they're not very sound, but they can hit the baseball. And they came back in a hurry. And I, there are some questionable decision-makings, of course, from Rick Renteria to start the year when it comes to pitching, especially on his bullpen options. Uh, but keeping Ronaldo Lopez out there because he wanted Lopez uh, to have a good feeling after his start sure. and then proceeding to give up the two-run homer and the lead uh, that was a gut punch. So it'll be interesting to see how Lopez makes the adjustment in his next start. Uh, but you can't blame it on the cold weather. The weather was fine yesterday. It's just that he's all about the fastball at this moment, maybe a little too dependent on the fastball, and clearly he does need to make some adjustments. Josh, when you sit and watch the game, be it in the press box, be it in the stands, be it on the TV like I was watching yesterday and uh, their uh, series when they started on the road, it's real simple, usually. I don't know about you, but usually when the ball goes up in the air, someone says, I got it. Um, and they've had like four situations this this year already where there's been miscommunication and a ball drops. Unfortunately, three of them have been in left field, and I don't want to blame Eloy Jimenez. I know it was nice. He said he, he didn't want to run into anybody. That's a good thing. You want to keep him healthy. But, I mean, Daryl Boston, I would think whoever's coaching these outfielders, you would think it's a simple thing. You learned this in grade school. And you are right. I mean, there's obviously some type of disconnect. And with major leagues, you know, coaches just assume 
You know, this is a given, right? This is a fundamental skill we learned in Little League. I shouldn't have to coach you to say I got it when there's a fly ball out there. Now, it was funny watching the game yesterday. Tim Anderson was very vocal. Like, you could somewhat make out what Anderson was saying on the field from the stands when there was a fly ball in the infield or in the shallow outfield. He's starting to take more of a lead when the ball is hit by him. But yesterday you had Lurie Garcia almost running into Adam Engel in right center field when Lurie Garcia should know better. Uh, he plays center field, so he knows that's the center fielder's ball right. if Engel calls for it. Uh, so there is, it, it is one of those things that you just want to pull your hair out because you think that you're past this with major leaguers, but clearly the White Sox still need to take a step back as far as the coaching staff and just to keep reminding their players to communicate on the field, and if you got it, you got it, call for it and take charge. I just wanted to get to all the bad things first yeah. because as a, you know when you're sitting there watching it, yeah, it's great they ultimately out out hit some of the mistakes and out hit their pitching problems, but you know, you those are the things you got, you know, I'm sure if you're Ricky Renteria, it's great to see a win, but those are the things that that bother him. Those are the things he's probably making notes about. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it you are right. It's great to out hit some of these mistakes because if you don't out hit some of these mistakes, well, <laughs> Look at the north side right now and how they're feeling after the first seven games. <laughs> well, and you're you're right, and and they're doing and they're trying to out hit them. They're leading them. They're leading the National League in hitting, and it still hasn't helped right now. So hopefully they'll change around. Well, for them. since you brought it up, Josh, it is the Cubs' worst start since uh, 2012, which was Theo's first year, a tank year. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, back, back to you guys. Sorry. Couldn't help myself. I, well, the, the other, and, you know, Josh, I, many, many people a year ago asked me, they said, what are you expecting for the White Sox? They go, it's a big year for two guys. It's a big year for Yohan Moncada and Lucas Giolito. Now, Moncada, well, it was big for him with strikeouts, 217. Big with him with errors yeah. leading the league. But this year, he's come out of the box playing third base and not thinking about anything, it seems, but hitting the ball, and he's doing a great job of it. it, it is it all just that, or is it also the work he put in after the year last year? I think it has to be the work that he put in last year, Fred, because in spring training, that was one of the big surprises. I mean, you want to ignore the spring training numbers because they don't always translate, right, to the regular season. But with Mikado, it was like a slight swing change as far as his stance. He's a little bit more open from the right and left-handed side. And when he's batting right-handed, he just looked a lot more confident with his swings against left-handed pitching in spring training. Now you go to the regular season, and Terry Francona flipped him around on Monday to bring in a left-handed reliever, and Mikado made him pay to tie the game. Yesterday, Seattle makes the same decision, and Mikado made them pay with the go-ahead hit. Uh, so he looks a lot better from the right side of the plate. And right now, it, it's just the first week of the season. Mm -hmm. But when you're, when you're using the stat weighted runs created plus, which is trying to incorporate every offensive metric into one number to display the total offensive value for a player, Yohan Mikata leads major leagues right now at 311, which is to say he's 211% better than the average player at the moment. Mike Trout is second. So anytime you're using an offensive stat where you are comparing a player to Mike Trout, you are doing quite well. And Mike Trout is off to a hot start. And Bryce Harper, by the way, is fourth on that list as well. 
and you look at wins above replacement, he's tied with Christian Yelich for the league lead at the moment. Mikata has been one of the best players to start the year in Major League Baseball. This is a great sight to see, and hopefully the confidence that he's gaining from these first six games, Fred, he can continue throughout the season because this is one of the starts that I think can be contagious where other players on the team like Tim Anderson, it rubs off on and suddenly everyone's getting a little bit more confident in the lineup to say, hey, we're not bad. We can be a good offensive force and who knows, maybe we can surprise some teams in the American League Central because the Cleveland Indians, I think, can be had this year. I don't think they're as strong as people thought before the year. So the division... Looks like it's up for grabs. A lot of people, you know, we were talking about that back in the winter. And, you know, mm-hmm. Moncada and the talk, boy, you know what? The Sox, you know, they might be one player away from making a run. Cleveland's, uh, you know, they got rid of four of their guys. They're dinged up. Mini Detroit. The uh, standings are stacked up, bunched up's a better word. Minnesota, Detroit tied for first. Cleveland in third, a half game. Sox in fourth at three and three. It's early. I understand that these numbers change quick, quickly. However, Fred, uh, uh, Josh, this division, let's say it's a month from now and it's still bunched up like this. You, you got to figure this could continue because this division you know there's nothing wrong with the division being weak someone's got to win it well and and Murph, remember the 2015 cubs they kept lingering and mm-hmm. hanging around and they continued to build confidence throughout the season on their way to win 98 games and that's that's the dangerous thing when you allow young teams that have young players that don't know any better and they start building confidence in their ability in the major leagues, and you let them linger, hang around with you during the year, and then July comes and maybe the front office makes some trades for some veterans to help them get over the hump, uh, then that's how you have surprises in division races. That's how the Atlanta Braves last year won the National League East when a lot of people thought they were a mid-70s win team. They come on, they win more than 90 games and go to the postseason. These things happen all the time in Major League Baseball. I'm sure it'll happen again in the American League when we thought it was pretty much chalk on who we thought was going to win the divisions. And, you know, for the White Sox, again, it's just six games, and they will probably hit a, a, a bump in the road, and they'll go back to becoming the 70-win team we thought they were before the season. But if they can continue to build confidence from these first six games, and there's a lot of good things that have happened then who knows? I wouldn't put it out of the question that they could be the surprise dark horse in the American League Central. Josh Nelson from the Sox Machine Podcast joining us here on ESPN 1000. And the, the other thing, and he got a, kind of a nice um, reception yesterday. The tough part is there was a big play right in front of him coming to the plate. Uh, but Eloy Jimenez uh, struggling a little bit, 167, you know, getting to see all these guys for the first time. They're actually attacking him like he's a star player as opposed to a first-year guy and uh, struggling a little bit. But when the guys in front of him are hitting, that has got to take some pressure off him, wouldn't you? think? Yeah, and you know, if, if Renteria decided, Fred, that I want Jimenez to bat sixth or seventh in the lineup, I think everybody would be okay, because you are right. He's being pitched like he's Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. The amount of breaking pitches that are being thrown at Jimenez to start his career is very eye-opening. I was expecting him to be challenged velocity-wise via the fastball. That has not been the case. Teams are not afraid to consistently throws flyers and curveballs at him, trying to prove 
you know, Jimenez, can you hit a major league breaking pitch? Right now, after six games, not really. Uh, but who knows? I mean, if he does make the adjustment, we all think that he will. Uh, then if he starts getting a groove, and you still have Yonder Alonso, who's getting on base at a freakish rate right now. Mm-hmm. His walk rate is 34% at the moment, Yonder Alonso. Uh, and then you still have Abreu and Mikata still hitting. Uh, Lurie Garcia is doing the little things offensively to get on base. And, you know, Tim Anderson at the lefty is batting second. Uh, then, yeah, once he starts getting rolling, you know, the White Sox could have an above-average offense. And to say that in the American League is an achievement because there are so many good offenses. And with how bad they are defensively at the moment, they're going to need to be really awesome and on the offensive part uh, to have any chance of having a winning record. Josh, a couple of quickies. Spring, you lose then on your busy day, Sox Machine podcast. You mentioned Tim Anderson batting in the two-hole versus the lefty. Uh, what What will be his best position and here's a guy it was sort of i don't want to say his make or break your fred it's it's not but if you don't have to worry about shortstop you know for the next three four five set whatever you can worry about everybody else you got the the kid uh magadrill or whatever at second base Magdrill, yeah and uh my god and tim anderson is such an under the radar key sort of lost in the shuffle because he's not one of the new wave it'd be nice as a cub fan to see waves coming but <laughs> Uh, we already right. talked about that. But w- what do you think is the perfect world for Tim Anderson? What would be his upside where you'd be happy? In other words, wow, that's as good as that's what we were hoping we would say. Give us a, because he was uh, terrific again yesterday, three for four, the base running heads up to uh, open up the floodgates for, I believe, two or three runs yep. later. What, what, what were they looking at now at Tim Anderson and project extensively here? So if you look at wins above replacement, I think Tim Anderson has the potential to be a three to four wins above replacement shortstop. That's not quite all star level because you have Francisco Lindor, right, still in the American League. Uh, and you still have mm-hmm. Evander Bogarts in the American League. I think those shortstops are going to be better than Tim Anderson. But if Tim Anderson can be an above average major leaguer, which would translate to one of the better shortstops in the league, uh, I think using that metric is a good goal for Tim Anderson because defensively, he's had some poor throws to start the year. And I thought that he had worked on that. And hopefully we don't see as many throwing errors in the upcoming weeks from Anderson. But defensively, he's much better on the range. He's much better fielding. Left-handed pitchers have to be worried about Anderson because he's so good against them. And that's why he'll continue to hit second when there's a lefty starter on the mound. A right-handed starter, he may bat in the lower half of the lineup. He may bat seventh. But you got to be careful with him because he has this power that just surprises you, as we saw yesterday, that he can take out anyone, especially at home at guaranteed rate field. He's, he's a shortstop that hits more than 20 home runs, and he should, as long as he gets on base more frequently, steal 30-plus bases. So he can be a very valuable offensive force. And defensively, as long as he calms down his throwing motion and is a little bit more consistent with that, then, yeah, I think he's going to be above average shortstop. And, and you're right, Murph. That is one less position the White Sox have to worry about because at the moment, they got to worry about center field, they got to worry about right field, uh-huh. they got to worry about second base, and they got to worry about four or five guys out of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. And one other thing that I wanted to make sure he got to, he's actually starting today. Uh, Lucas Giolito goes his first game, six and two-thirds innings, three hits, two runs, earned yeah. 
One walk only, which is huge for him because him and he and Tyler Chatwood led the world in walks last year in Major League Baseball, but he struck out eight. Now, when they were showing the game, they explained his arm. Instead of his yep. arm going all the way back, he's kind of pulling it up a little short, and there was a lot of talk about him with his mental preparation, but which do you think is more important, the mental prep for him or the arm change? Right now, I think it's the arm change because it does add some additional deception. And Alex Gordon, the Kansas City Royals, touched on this after that start, Fred, in which he said that the changeup doesn't look good, uh, which I thought that was kind of a slight, but he said it's deceptive, that it comes at you a lot quicker and there's a lot more spin on his pitches than last year. So I think that is what led to the success for Giolito in his first start. So today, against Seattle, when he's on the mound, pay attention to the pitch mix. How often is he throwing the changeup? How often is he throwing the curveball and the slider? Because the fastball is still not a good pitch for Giolito, and it may never be. But if he can use that pitch to help set up his secondary offerings, which are better pitches, then I think we could see another good start from Giolito. So right now, I'd say the short arm motion uh, is providing the bigger change in a good way for Giolito than the mental preparation. Cool. And Josh, what happens now? I hear Theo Epstein might be picking up the phone to call Rick Hahn. Is this just is, <laughs> now? Is this from Jesse or no? Where that uh, he's going to offer uh, Jose Quintana for Eloy and Dylan Cease? What do you think might happen on that offer? <laughs> Well, I think Han would listen to the call, as he always does, and say, thank you, Theo. I wish you the best of luck in Milwaukee this weekend. And uh, maybe we'll chat in the offseason. All right, tell you, a redo, redo. Only, he'll take either Eloy or Cease, even if not two for one. I don't know what I was thinking. Hey, Josh, always great. Uh, you're a great follow also, Sox Machine Podcast. Josh Nelson, thank you. Thanks, Josh. Hey, no problem. Right. Have fun, guys. See thank you later. You. Yeah, Josh Nelson, those guys do a great job. Him and uh, Jim Margulis do a great job with the uh, Sox Machine podcast. And, mm-hmm. yeah, those numbers he was throwing out there. And, again, the analytics people, there's people out there that may not know the weighted runs created plus and all that. But the the stat heads, the analytics guys, the baseball prospectuses and everybody else, and uh, they know that. And right now he's the tops in baseball, Yoan Moncada, um, you know, with, with Trout second and Harper fourth. Uh, in weighted runs created plus, and uh, these are these are all stats that uh, are big things nowadays. And uh, I just like when he gets on base. I like when he can turn around. Josh brought up a great point twice this year already. Managers have gone out there and turned him around from a lefty to a righty, and he's he's beaten it. He's gotten hits to drive in runs. You have to wonder. And we talked about this a couple hours ago. Mancada second base last year led all of baseball, I believe, in, in errors yeah, at second. I think so. You move him to third. Now a lot of fans. So what? How does that change your game? I'm telling you, the little bit I know about baseball, second base and shortstop, you're always thinking. You're on the field every pitch. Every, where do I go if this happens? That, not that third base isn't a thinking man's position, but it's not. Well, some people don't realize, too, at second base and shortstop, they communicate between themselves every pitch yeah. because they let the other guy know if it's a fastball or a curveball. Mm. They give mouth signals and things like that. He doesn't have to worry about any of that. He and, stands at third base, and if the ball comes to him, he throws it. And you know it has to be wearing on him mentally last year, leading the league in airs. Right. You know, not that it gets to the point, oh, don't hit it to me. But we've all played at some level, and you're not feeling good. You made some, oh, please don't, here it is again. Now, you're at third base. He's played terrific defense at third. He made a couple bad throws, but that was it. Yeah. Okay, I didn't see those. Okay, yeah, I did. Both he and Anderson have made some bad throws. Yeah. Rush where he's got time, double, mm-hmm. you know, holds it, does yeah. that, and then throws it in the dirt. He's two of them, but you know what? 
he's made every play that's come his way. Let's bring in EO11. Eric, we've been running a Twitter poll here all day. Uh, we ran this about a year ago, so I don't know if it's going to be much uh, different. I don't want to sway the jury. Sox fans, would you like to have Joe Madden next year as your manager? And here's why I bring it up. This is about the point in progression uh, of where the uh, the Sox are now, you know, where the Cubs were when they got hired Joe for five years in uh, 2015, 16, yeah, 2015. And it was the same ironic. Can you imagine? It was the same Rick, Ricky Renteria. Yeah. So it's it's not here just to try to bait uh, clicks or anything. I'm just I'm interested if... Number one, you, you know, are the White Sox thinking, well, you know, Ricky's our guy all the way, all the way? Or does a general manager think like Theo did on the south side, going, well, you know what? He did a great job. He got us from, you know, the old point A to B or whatever. And uh, what were the fans? Uh, Sox fans uh, hopefully uh, voted on this. Uh, we asked Sox fans only, but everyone is eligible, of course. What do we have there, uh, EO? All right. It's pretty tight. We've had a lot of really close polls today. Yeah. Um so right now, 54% of the voters say no, they don't want Madden to be the coach or the manager of the White Sox. And that would be 46 said yes. Solid math. I know. <laughs> Lions Township High School, LaGrange. But I, this is a silly question. Does, does Joe speak Spanish? Un poco. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, Ricky Renteria does. And I think you look at the White Sox roster and probably close to a half of the players. He does a lot of Spanish. Espanol, when you hear him on radio stuff and that, he'll you know, say goodbye. And right. all that. So, you know, when you're in the game that long, and I'm generalizing now, there's very few baseball guys that have been in the game that long that aren't, at least if not fluent, able to communicate. They can get their point across. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, like you say, you know, half your team could be, and uh, you sink or swim. If you can't, you probably get washed out progressing as a coach or a manager. It's eventually. a little bit difficult. Yeah, probably in, in, in all... In, all, in a lot of sports, I mean, mm-hmm. in this one and in soccer, the other sport I follow closely. Real quick, there's been a TV commercial runs during Cubs games, all right? And EO11, I need your opinion along with Fred on this. And the commercial, it's uh, it's for the, uh, a big bank. All right, cool. It's a good commercial for the big bank. So and you don't the, want us to mention the bank? Well, I don't think that. Okay, yeah, I just know. want to... Okay. Well, maybe when I'm done here, they won't want it, so that's why... <laughs> I got you. But we are here in First Midwest Bank Studio. Yes, we are. Certainly not those fine folks. So the commercial is, you know, it's uh, they want they end up telling you that there's zero fee for their checking or whatever the heck their ATM usage at a different point. You know, so they go. Uh, Wrigley Field, 318 openings in the scoreboard. All right, you know, I'll take that word for it. I'm not going to count them, but, you know, where they put the inning in the score. Sure. Okay. And, uh, well, it has to be where they put the team, too. Everything. Right. Opening. Yeah, okay. good. yeah, yeah. 80 years, uh, the Ivy, you know, was planted by Bill Veck in 1937. That's factual. But then the one they started with, they go, every day in Wrigley Field, 17,000 hot dogs are purchased. All right, now. Excuse me for a living. I've heard a, that, too. I'm just a fan. Uh-huh. All right, now. And the Sox had a big house yesterday, 32-7. Hopefully they can, you know, uh, perk along with a, a better increases. Uh, but the Cubs, okay, let's just say they draw 34,000. 
average, so that'll make the number easy. 17,000 hot dogs. You've seen this commercial maybe? If not, you'll, now you'll notice it because I pointed out. 17,000 hot dogs sold every game at Wrigley Field. 318 openings in the scoreboard. Uh, 80 years, uh, the IV's been on the wall. And 0% fees for whatever we do here at the Big Bank, right? All right. 17,000 uh-huh. each game sold. All right. Say there's 34,000 people. That means every other person buys a hot dog. Now, right. I get out there a little bit. Let's say you're sitting out there. That means, on average, I'm not going to buy a hot dog. The guy to my left and the woman to my right both have to buy a hot dog to make it hot dog, no hot dog, hot dog, no hot dog, hot dog, no hot dog, to get right. 50%. So, have you been in a ball game where every other person eat, eats a hot dog during the game? Well, to get to get mathematically more difficult... I've never gone to a game and just bought one. Oh, you That's just what I was going to say. Yeah, right? I never buy a single hot <laughs> no. dog. It's always two. You always got to buy two. I've never buy just one. So then it changes the whole bag. <laughs> you know, so if you don't and someone next to you buys two, uh-huh. then the person next to you doesn't have to buy one. I'll say still, right? it ain't anywhere near 17,000, even if Fred goes every well, and buys 10 of them. So if, if one out of every four people buy two hot dogs... Uh-huh. Then that would be correct, correct? Yeah, one out of every two people because right. it would be just so. So that would be the case. And when I go for Dollar Hot Dog Monday, I uh-huh. can't tell you how many I may buy. <laughs> I did not know that. Thank you for <laughs> teaching me that. I did not know that. Uh, Murph and Fred back in a flash. ESPN one thousand. It's Murph. And there's Fred and you. Glad you're with us. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. I just got to ask you one question. You stepped on tequila. Yeah, I did. Usually I'm drinking it. They'll say I'm stepping on it. Um, on my iPhone today, and I, yes, I have an iPhone. Can you um, order 17,000 hot dogs? I probably could through Amazon. <laughs> um, on my phone, I go to the weather for Chicago, and it says what the weather is. Uh-huh. But it says Chicago, and underneath it, it says unhealthy air quality for sensitive groups. Oh, I'm very sensitive. So one of the first things I saw this morning as I get up bleary-eyed at, at 5.50 in the morning, and I go, what the hell does that mean? Now, I looked outside. It was very foggy. You sleep till 5.50? 5.50, yeah. So the, I looked outside, and it was real foggy out. Yes. Well, it's not foggy out now, and my phone still yeah. says. Foggy? No, unhealthy air quality. So we got to check with, maybe next week, we can check with uh, with Tracy Butler. Well, wait, fellas. Unhealthy air quality for sensitive groups. I love this show. I love this show. Wait, fog is not unhealthy, just condensation. Yeah, I, I know, but I. what is unhealthy air quality? I don't know. Well, it must mean stagnant air. It must mean something. I just, just to throw it out there for everybody else. I'm sure other people with iPhones have the same thing, unless I'm the only one. 17,000 hot dogs per game. Paul from Lake Forest wants to jump in. Hello, Paul. Murph, Fred, another great show. I wish you guys were on every day. Uh, we got our hands full on Saturday, but thank you. Thanks, Paul. Here's, here's the thing about numbers, and obviously figures lie in liars' figure. Here's the thing about the 17,000 hot dogs. They actually prepare... 20,000 a year. I don't like where this so, is going. 
If you eat a hot dog in the first three innings of a game, I guarantee you it was left over from the game before. And God forbid if you eat a hot dog in the first game of a homestand after they come back from a road trip. I don't want to tell you how long that's been sitting there. You know, Paul, stay on the line, Paul. I've heard this. Okay. I've heard this, and I believe it. How do I phrase this? I believe it could be true. And I, Murph, one other thing. Give me 15 seconds, please. Here's take take you your time. Hurt. Take your time. Hurry Go up. Go ahead. The baseball experience, okay? Every team has got at least six to eight guys that should be in the minors. 20 years ago, there were 650 major leaguers. Nowadays, there's 850. Now, they'll never do this, but you need to get rid of six teams and make this a pro game and again instead of half minor leaguers, half pro guys that don't know fundamentals, that, that can't play the, the game at a major league level, and the games won't take three hours and 47 minutes. Well, Paul, so you're exactly right, but uh, number one, and just for factual, so people don't uh, have a fit, 30 teams times 20, but there's 750 players, but that's neither here nor there. I know what you're saying. Here's the problem. They want to add two more teams. Yeah, they do. Because new teams pay on initiation franchise fee. Each team gets about 30 to $60 million, whatever. If you divide, it'd probably be a fee of $2 billion, and you divide that with the 30 existing if there's two new teams and for them to contract which is paul the greatest hope ever and that's what you're saying contraction you got to buy out that team you don't just say bye bye your franchise get some paper and tear it in half no you got to pay them about each team about 40 30 right. million each and they're never going to do that i love what you're saying call me they, when it happens it's not a merit based operation anymore. It's like going to the circus. We know that. Hello, Just Jason Hayward. You're right, Paul. Thank you, buddy. You know, Call again. Thanks, Paul. The other point, you think about it, what Paul brings up is that years and years ago, again, we're both old. When Murph and I were growing up, there used to be guys on every team that were good field, no hit. That does not exist anymore because if you can't hit, you don't get past double A. Yeah. You've got to be able to rake. You've got to be able to hit the well, hell out of the ball. Look at Zagunas at the Cubs. Exactly. All he can do is hit. They don't care about fielding. The point I brought up with Josh Nelson, the White Sox have had four situations already where they've had they've almost collided in the outfield. That's because they don't work on the fielding. They are only worried if you can come up to the big club and help them hit. Have you ever heard, we have this great utility guy, he can play all the positions, but he can't hit. Yeah, Ian Happ can play a lot of positions. Where's he at? Pop a pitch, Popovich. He's in the minors right now because he's not hitting. And that's what it is. All of baseball is about hitting every single guy. There's catchers. Austin Hedges from the Padres. He was one of the few guys that came up. He was not a great hitter, but he could catch. He was one of the best defensive catchers around. And right now, guess what he's learned to do over the last couple of years? He's learned to hit. Well, here's one it's of the taken problems. taking him time. Back uh, when you had your uh, way back machine there, uh, uh, Fred, uh, always been 25 men roster, man roster. Yeah. There used to be 10 pitchers, not 13. Right. So there were three more guys playing position players on the bench. Right now with 13 pitchers, there's four guys. One's a catcher. You only got three. You don't have room for that guy. Right. But if they were back to like the 10 starting pitchers, which sure. they're talking about expanding the roster, but uh, making a rule that you can only have X amount of pitchers, you know, then you might start seeing. But here's that Zagunas, just what you said. Hang on. And then, yeah. is, so Zagunas, the guy can hit. Let's be honest. Every time he's up, he gets a line drive. Yeah, he's probably he hitting 500. I don't know what he's, he's hitting. He's hitting close. Yeah. 
He, he was raking. Four, rake, four fifty-five. Uh, raking yeah. in spring training. Raked at Triple A. But here's the thing: you saw him botch the pop foul uh, in the first inning, which. Then the next pitch by uh, Hendricks was a home run. I know they're mutually exclusive, but still, it happens, it happens. You never know what's going to happen. I understand that. He can't run. He can't catch the ball. I don't know if he, he's probably got a rocket. Let's, you know, probably. But if you only hit, you can't be on a team like no. that. Now, you see, Ian Happ, at least if he's in left field, he probably he would have caught that ball, but he's not hitting right now, so there you go. So they, took can't the, be up. they took the hitter over they'll, the fielder, Happ. They'll always do that in baseball. Not only the Cubs, every team in baseball does it. By the way, Gordon Wittenmeyer reporting oh, Gordon. that according to a source, Carl uh, Edwards has been optioned to Iowa. There's, he doesn't have, a, right. he doesn't have a, another um, no, move. No, no, another move. Who's See, coming up? The, and I was misspoke. Excuse me. I thought that there had to be some tricky maneuvering to move a fourth-year guy to the minors. Maybe we'll learn more about it. I could be totally wrong. I want to ask you a question. We talked about this before the show. I don't think we mentioned it on the show, but, you know, sometimes we... The John Lester pinch hitting yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Did we mention it on the show or just off the air? I don't think we did mention it on the show. I said, Eric, yeah, you're I listening did. to the show, aren't no, you? We, yeah, did we talked about this I, earlier. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, yeah. For okay. once, I remember something from three hours ago. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah, so they pinch hit Lester and all the Cubs down. Why not pinch hitting a position player? But that brings up the point but that. If he'd have got hurt, they go, yeah. you stupid idiot, why'd you pinch hit him? Yeah, look what happened with Strope last year. You why'd pinch you let him hit? Yeah, all of a sudden he's running to first base. But that also brings up the point where they don't have enough other guys. They've got, what, 12 pitchers or whatever, 13 yeah, pitchers. Ridiculous. They only got a bench of three or four players. You need a bench with more players than that, but you can't because you're running out how many how many relief pitchers you throw yesterday? Five, six? I mean, you can't do it, and that's why this rule's going to change baseball a little bit. Huh. The rule where every pitcher's got to face at least three guys. Now, yesterday, the Cubs relievers did face three guys. I think every one of them faced at least three guys yesterday. Let's see, did anyone But they gave a, up runs. Let's see, no one uh, only Edwards pitched a fraction of an inning. Yeah. Two thirds. But he pitched. Yeah. He but everybody pitched. else was in for at least a full inning. But Edwards pitched the three guys, and, but that ended the inning. So that would have been that would have been okay. So according yeah. to the rule, that would have been okay. Uh, but they threw five guys out of the bullpen yesterday. That's what happens. Well, and I thought yesterday they were going to leave Quintana out for one more inning. I know it was bad. Yeah. And, I, and Len Casper mentioned it. He said, listen, he's going to have to eat it. And. Because of the way the bullpen had struggled, Joe still had to use five guys. You don't want to use do that in the first game of a series They're in o- Milwaukee. Remember what they call them? OMGs. One inning, max effort, guys. Yeah. OMG. Because the Lugies will be gone. And now every team, and that's what you hope that the Cubs and Theo's hoping down at AAA, they can start bringing up, you know, they throw 98 Max out for one inning, and uh, then you wonder why late in the game it's usually hard to score. Unless, of course, they walk everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and they they have been walking a whole bunch. And uh, so Cole Hamels today, Hamels did not pitch badly. He just got you give up a grand slam. That's it's tough. What was it? Five one. He gave up a grand slam. Made it five five. I love Hamels. Yeah. Well, since he's come to the Cubs, mm-hmm. he's pitched very very well. Hey, speaking of Len Casper, and not just Len, everybody. There was a play on Monday. Monday, Murph, it's Saturday. I'm here once a week. So there was a remember where Bodie and maybe E eleven, maybe you saw this. Bodie slid into second base at Atlanta, uh, and the uh, shortstop Swanson, Swanson yeah. was not happy about it. Here, everybody, here is it. That's and, working. Eric, is this on? Is the microphone yeah, on? Yeah, it's right. working. And everybody, it was illegal. 
everybody, I've heard everyone and, and uh, Len Casper, if you can reach the base, it's on. No, they changed the Blanken rule two winters ago. No one found out about it. You must now slide directly into the bed. Right. You can't veer off at the runner, even if you can reach out. And that rule is no longer the rule. So, every, oh, you can touch the bag, it's legal. No. No, read a read a read a rule book. They changed that rule, and you know, Len brought it up again yesterday because Yelich Yelich slid outside, and he yeah. said that's okay. The no. slide's okay because he can reach the base. Len usually not, knows his stuff. Yeah, that's I not know, the rule. But, but you know, no one knows that one. That's it's weird. Maybe maybe Len. I don't know. I, I can't believe they changed it back. No, they're not. The last thing they were going to do is change no. it back. They're, they're out there for player safety. Oh, right now, now you've worried me. Now they changed it back, and we didn't hear about it. Well, if that's the case, then we're the <laughs> idiots. But you know, I'm not calling anybody an idiot. Got a great sound bite when we return. Tom Verducci, the national baseball guy, says, I don't like the idea of a manager, i.e. Joe Madden, of a manager being on the last year. Uh We'll play that. Uh, Sox fans, 45% of you would like Joe Madden. Also, coming up at noon, don't go anywhere. If you're getting pumped up for the Final Four, we've got it right here on ESPN 1000. And at noon, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, they are in Minneapolis. For the Final Four, they're going to talk to a bunch of coaches. They're coming up right here at noon when we're done. Don't touch that dial. It's All right, busy day. Lots to cover. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. All right, real quick, uh, national baseball expert Tom Verducci visited with the camper. Uh, Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated. And they were talking about, you know, well, Joe Madden, he's a lame duck. It's his last year on the contract. Uh, what do you think of that, Tom? Well, for me personally, in general, I'll just say I've never liked the idea of any manager going into the last year of a contract without an extension. I saw it happen in New York with Joe Girardi. saw some other places. Uh, I think with John Farrell in Boston, Dusty Baker in Washington. Um, what happens is it becomes an outside narrative that may or may not influence what goes on inside the team. The fact that you are bringing it up, and it's rightfully so that you do. Um, again, I mean, it's silly to even talk about changes, but the idea that the manager's position is actually part of the 2019 Cubs narrative, you can't run away from that. Now, maybe that has absolutely no influence or impact in the clubhouse. I don't know, but it is a media talking point. It's something a team you know, hears and answers to from time to time. I just think I'd rather extend a guy and have him under contract and not have that be an issue. Let my players know that this guy's going to be around. Uh, listen, you can always let a guy go, right? If, you, if you're really that out of love with somebody and has a year left in his contract, we've seen that as well. But in general, I just don't like the idea of having managers out there in the last year of their deal. It's very different than having a player on his last year. National expert Tom Verducci evidently doesn't know Theo as well as he thought. He needed Theo needs a scapegoat, scapegoat Joe, and six million. They don't have the six million, but they did not want to launch him like I would have in October. And then, like Verducci said, you get all the side drama and all the talk, and you know. Well, and that's. Give him That's, another year, as my Ferducci said, and then fire right. him at the end of the year. Don't don't mess around. You could do that. You can do that. But like he said, it's it, you know three other. Yeah, you know, they did it with three other guys uh, that whose teams played pretty well. Mm-hmm. So you can't necessarily blame. And he wasn't. He was saying he doesn't know if right. that could be the case or not. And I I I've never quite understood. You've got a contract. Contract runs through the year. They they should just shut down all the media. If any media person asks Joe about his contract, he, mm-hmm. Joe should say, "I'm I got a contract for the rest of the year. I don't know what you're talking about. Go next question." Yeah, but Verducci says it 
it, it, it sort of gets infesting. You know, it's yeah. a, it, and then uh, Jeff Passan, baseball expert on this week, they asked him the same thing. You know, Joe be gone. He, he couldn't. He started laughing. <laughs> I don't think the Cubs are going to fire Joe Madden. You don't. Okay, that's Ken. He went on for a minute. We're up against the clock. Yeah. So yeah. The national people think it's crazy. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, what's what's what would the point be of firing him now? You're going to let him. You're going to let him coach and manage throughout the whole season. See how the season plays out, and then you're going to mm-hmm. make the deal. Unless unless you're looking for someone to blame and be the scapegoat, and we'll see. I mean, I'm with you. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we well, don't know how they think over there. Well, at this point, then you just wait and then trade people, trade someone if you if you got a if you got a problem. He doesn't want it to look like his fault. Well, that's why he got out of Boston. Hey, Carol Crawford's still getting paid, probably somewhere, right? They finally got tired in Boston of the open the uh, bottomless checkbook. Uh-huh. Hey, E eleven, you ever go to the grocery store and buy Fred any buy orange juice? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Pulp or no pulp? No, no pulp. Right. Yeah, I'm a no right. pulp guy. Have you noticed what they did again? All right. Now, about 20 years ago, EO11, orange juice was in a 64-ounce container forever. About 20 years That's ago. Big. Well, it's what it was. And 20 years ago, they moved it down to 59 ounces. And, of course, the price never changed. Did you see what they did about two, three weeks ago? Did you notice? Maybe it's now all of them, 52 ounces. From 64 to 59, about every 20 years, they, they shave it down about another 10, 20%. Price stays the same. Now, how could that not be collusion, price fixing uh, uh, by big companies? They all one day uh, said, we're going to go down to 52, gear up our carton-making company. It's just a coincidence. They all went from 64 to 59, and then they all went to 52. All right, nothing you can do about it. Uh, to me, it, does, it seems like antitrust exemption. You're, not, you're supposed to compete. Anyway, what do I know? It's a lot of orange juice. Just a fan. They're probably doing it for your own and health. And that was another Murph mm. moment. A lot yeah. of sugar in that orange juice. I know it's not always uh, <laughs> the best things. Uh, I'll tell you about my Oreo cookie purchase uh, when, next Saturday. How that went haywire. Well, I, I was at a wonderful brewery, Whiskey Hill Brewing in um, <laughs> in Westmont the other day. And they made yeah. they made a cookie called Sandwiches that was an imperial stout with vanilla and Oreo cookies. Sam, I, I think... Dan Jiggets has a patent on, I that, think he does. on that word, doesn't he? Didn't he first coin that? Then I had a double cup that had peanut butter cups in it. Awesome. <laughs> Want to thank our Whiskey guests, Hill. Fergie Jenkins, Jesse Rogers, and Josh Nelson, Sox Machine Podcast. And don't go anywhere. Coming up, it's Black and Abdallah in Minneapolis at the Final Four. We've got it for you tonight right here on ESPN 1000. The guys are in mini. They'll join you in a matter of moments Martin right here. Fred Sims. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody. Yeah.